I love that we're going to start with the blip, 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 blip. Did, did that pick up? It yeah. picked up. It did? That's perfect. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning back into yet another episode of Libations for Everyone, where we are sipping shots and sharing thoughts. Um, we are at a new location for us today. We are sitting broadcasting live from the PA Theater in the heart of Northeast Minneapolis. For over 100 years, this hall was operated by the Polish National Alliance, hence the iconic corner neon sign with the letters PA. Uh, it's a 2,900 square foot main hall, 16 foot vaulted ceilings. Uh, obviously, we know what's going on in the world right now. And basically, as you're planning things, because the world is going to come back, fun is going to come back, get togethers are going to come back someday. And as you're thinking about it, uh, when you're looking for a great spot that has tons of history, tons of charm, uh, just hit up the PNA Hall. Thank you so much from, uh, from all of us here at Libations for Everyone for donating the space to us. And uh, yeah, we can't wait until we can throw a party here. Maybe do a live podcast, Charles. Yeah, I mean, this is a small party, but I, yeah, this is, <laughs> this is such a cool spot. It's just rad to be in here recording a podcast. On any other given year, there would be something else going on here right now on a Friday night. Absolutely. And for all of our history buffs out there, uh, probably my favorite part about this whole thing besides the half the demi-circle stage is the fact that it still has the hand-painted John F. Kennedy auditorium sign over the entrance as you're walking into this room. I feel like I saw that in like the Wonder Years, and it's the same sign that's here right now. But uh, enough about this hall. Let's talk about this guest that we have. Well, and I just want to say something. You said the ceilings are 16 feet. If these ceilings are 16 feet up, I'm two feet tall. That's <laughs> Listen... <laughs> <laughs> so it turns out I didn't fact check the copy that was handed to me. Uh, I'm just trying to go like, off what they told me. Hang on a second. I could dunk. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, without any further ado, let's introduce our guest today. Uh, she's absolutely amazing and a very, very wonderful human and a friend, uh, Stephanie Marsh. Hello. Wel welcome. Thank you. <laughs> uh, tell everybody uh, who you are, what you're up to. Uh, well, I am the food and dining editor for Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine. I also have a, sh a radio show called Weekly Dish on my Talk 107. And, um, you know, I eat a lot of things. And I cook and I write and I talk and I overshare and I drink <laughs> and all those things. And somebody pays me for that. You've so. come to the right place. Yeah. I know. Don't we feel we are people <laughs> together? This is, this is absolutely a kindred spirit <laughs> uh, podcast going on. All the things you just said. I'm like, oh, yeah, I do that. Yeah, I, I do that, that too. Yeah. That. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, Charles, do you want to give a little rundown of kind of how this all like works as far as uh, our, our questions and our shots? Our formatting? Of yeah. course. Yeah. It's been a minute since we recorded an episode. So I think we're defaulting to calling this our fall season yes. because you yeah. took like a month off. This is like an HBO kind of thing. Like, you know, we do like three or four episodes and then we take a long right. break and then yeah. a couple no. more episodes. Well, we did like, yeah, we did five or six yeah. weekly and then we just stopped. So there were withdrawals. It's a hiatus. Sure. <laughs> and legitimate to all of our listeners out there, I have to apologize. That's a lot on me. Uh, I had a lot of bad stuff. 2020 has been a, a crap year, but unfortunately we had some losses. And uh, I thank you, Charles, for putting up with me, kind of needing a little bit of time to be with the family. But uh, here we are, and really it's all about positivity. Like, that's the only way we're going to get through 2020. So thank Amen. you to all of our Amen. listeners for putting up with it, and, uh, and we're back. And that's why we're here. We're here to have fun. Uh, the format is pretty simple. We do a shot, and then we present a topic of conversation. And every 10 minutes, we do another shot and present another topic of conversation. Uh, we do one ounce shots. We're not trying to kill anybody here. We don't probably, we probably don't have to continue pointing that out throughout <laughs> the, the history of this podcast, but it's true. We yeah. do. No death you know, so far, though. No death so okay, far. Okay, good to know. Good to know. Uh, I'm drinking some Coors Banquet. These guys have a nice Chianti, so we like to mix it up. 
have as much fun as we want, but bare minimum, we're doing six one ounce shots uh, of whiskey today. Right. Can you tell us a little bit about the whiskey we're drinking? Yeah, I brought the Uncle Nearest, the 1856 whiskey that um, mm. came out. I don't, I don't know if it just came out or I just found it. It was about I, a year ago. It was a year ago, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, it's got such a cool backstory, and it just it kind of makes me angry that I never knew it, you know, before. But it's basically, you know, Uncle Nearest was the man who taught Jack Daniels how to make whiskey. And so when we say Jack Daniels and you learn, you know about what they've done, it's basically his Uncle Nearest's, uh, his techniques, his recipes, everything else, which is, of course, transferred to the white man who then made millions <laughs> off of it. So what I like about this company is that they are, they're trying to bring the history back. They're trying to bring back, you know, that heritage piece of it. And I think it's a woman-run company. Yep. Uh, yeah. Female and woman of color. Yes. Uh, the first of both in the whiskey industry. Yeah. Um, and Uncle Nearest was actually the guy who pioneered the charcoal filtering yes. of the sour mash. Yeah. Um, and okay. that's still how both Jack Daniels and Paul Uncle Nearest are, whiskey, are made. Yeah. Right. Yep. That kind of sure. defines Tennessee yep. whiskey, cool. right? So. And I, I do have to give credit, although I, there's no way that the Jack Daniels company didn't help erase Uncle Nearest from the history. But they have done a good job at trying to resurrect all of the artifacts that they have from it because that only happened in, like, the 1920s. Right. For, for decades, he was still revered as, as a whiskey god. And the families, I think, were yep. very tied together. Yep. They were very close. But money gets involved money. and descendants get involved, and here right. we are. Yeah, this is new to me. I drink a lot of whiskey, but this is a new one for me. Good. Mm-hmm. good. That's well, fun. Well, then uh, what yep. do you say we, uh, we, we cheers? Cheers. <laughs> cheers. To the things. All right, I'm going to go first on this one. You're going to ask for her I'm gonna answer. Ask, I'm going to ask you. Okay. Uh, if you close your eyes and envision a meal you'd love to have again, exactly as it was, what would it be? And then conversely, what's the best just cheap eat that you love? Ooh, this is, this is sort of tough. Well, oh, God. All right, so one of the, one of the first meals that I ever had that was um, eye-opening was so simple, um, was a just a beautiful bowl of celery root soup from Gramercy Tavern in New York. Oh, yeah. And <clears throat> it was one of those elegant things where you ordered celery root soup <laughs> because everyone said, you got to get the celery root soup. And you're like, yeah. whatever, <laughs> fine, <laughs> I'll... I'll, I'll, you know, I'll do it fine. Did and they it call was, it celeriac? Yeah, no, I don't, like really I think back it then up. it still was celery, okay. right? <laughs> but it was, it literally was something that I had, it just, I didn't know something that simple could be that elegant and sophisticated. And, um, I, you know, I didn't go to New York until I was in my, you know, late 20s, I think, and early 30s even. And it was late 20s. But it was, it was for me... I mean, New York opened my mind to a lot of things, but it wasn't like a New York thing. It was just the fact that that's where, you know, things were kind of, you know, was an explosion. But I will tell you that if we're really talking about like a meal, I have to say that when I was in Spain with who is now my ex-husband, but it was uh, we were in uh, Madrid and we went to this little place called Calle Sidre. And it was this beautiful little, you know, kind of off of a street that we had to duck down and figure out where we were going. And we tucked into this little restaurant. And, of course, it was like 10.30 p.m., so the early seating, right? I mean, like, nobody eats dinner until midnight there. 
But we were like, we are dying, <laughs> dying of hunger. So we had to go to dinner. I was like, they're going to hate us. I'm like, we showed up at 1030. We, I think our reservation was for 11. And we showed up at 1030. And we're like, look, we're just Americans. And we absolutely need some help. I'm here. hungry. I'm hungry, man. It's like fourth meal territory. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. And I think it was one of our first meals of that trip because we went to Barcelona and also to Madrid, but um, this was one of the first ones, and so we were not accustomed. Like, I hadn't gotten my churro fix yet. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't, Come on. I didn't figure out that afternoon lunch. Boxes were not checked. Siestas, the whole thing. Like, by the end of the trip, I was great. But nonetheless, we tucked into this little cute place. We were one of maybe three other couples. Some were Spanish. And uh, there was on the menu a, it sounds so crazy to say it was a foie gras ravioli with black truffles in it. But it was... That's what it was. Yeah. That <laughs> so, kind of says it all. That yeah. kind of says it all, right? But then the thing is, is that I think we've gotten so weirded out by the luxury of those items, the sure. luxury of black sure. truffles and the luxury of, so that automatically puts them into a category for us when I say that. Mm-hmm. And yet the amount of black truffles I've had since then and flogger I've had since then that have not been like up to yeah. this sort of ideal. Right. And so I feel like, I, feel, I almost feel self-conscious about saying that, that dish, because it makes me sound like an ass. But you if know? it's done right. But this dish was like... It's centuries of legacy. This is the thing. It was like not Americanized, and it wasn't anything other than... It wasn't a famous chef. It was a neighborhood cafe, bistro that, you know... And the black truffle came, probably yeah, came from nearby as opposed did. to being shipped overseas and exactly. getting dried out. And yeah. it was so lovingly done, and that's all it was. That was that was my di- like th- on a plate, and I was like, everybody was like, this can't end, <laughs> this can't end. <laughs> Two more rounds. I know, and yeah. so, and then of course, and then I, <laughs> and I went into the bathroom, and the other part of this memory is, oh, toothbrushes. Like they just had toothbrushes in the bathroom, and I was really? like, that's excellent. <laughs> I did not see that in Spain. I, I love know. about that. I know, and I was very happy about that. Okay, so that's sort of my high end, yep. oh my god, moment of food and everything else. Um, what's my best cheap eat? Like cheap eat, like something that, like if you had 10 bucks in your pocket or 12 bucks in your pocket. Literally, a day does not go by that I do not want a double cheeseburger. And I know that that's so, again, that's like kind of the opposite end of this. But like, there's nothing, like I literally have the picture of a tattoo of a cheeseburger I'm going to get. Because it Mm. really is ridiculous on how beautiful that melding of meat, cheese, and bread and that beautiful like, sear that lacy edge that gets on the edge of a good smash like it's ridiculous the concert of those things together and so you'd how say that's the food probably more than any other that you crave on a day-to-day basis yes like some people it's pizza some people it's burgers yeah, it's a, yeah for me it's probably burgers as well yeah. is it yeah. do you know i don't have a taco thing like i feel a little bit shy to say that mm-hmm. like people who are like oh tacos i'm like eh, tacos okay that's that's and that's my thing is it i love burgers but but tacos, if I had to pick a thing, it would, it would be, be that. tacos. That you, more than anything, like on a day-to-day basis, you crave tacos. We, we probably do at least once a week. Okay. Our, really? Yeah. But yeah. I, so where's yeah. your burger? Where's the burger that you adore that is sub $10? That's the other thing. We <laughs> oh, you're right. Ten bucks, ten bucks. Ten bucks. Ten well, bucks. My answer actually falls squarely into this. And well, it while been, she's thinking about it, kick it out. Yeah, what do you, you want me to, yeah, yeah, want me yeah, to say? Give it, yeah, yeah. give it up. Brass tacks at Dipped in Debris. Oh, it's so good. Fantastic burger. Where? It's eight bucks. Dipped in Debris next door to Senyai Senlec. It's the sandwich yep, yep, shop yep. that they split into. You know, like I've 20... never had the burger there. Oh, I've had man. so many sandwiches the and never had the insane. burger. At, when they opened, I posted a photo of it on Instagram, and it just looked like hammered shit. There was cheese everywhere. <laughs> and like, 
And I and the caption was as ugly as it is delicious. And that was not an insult. No, it no. wasn't an insult. That's a good thing. Like just the American cheese just thrown about. Yeah. You know, you yeah. open that little wrapper oh, yeah. and you got to like peel it off because yeah. it's like yeah. taped yeah. onto yeah. it. And I remember yeah. that it. it was all the strings still just, coming down yep. to it. Like, yeah. Little granules of crispy beef. Oh. And they do like the raw, like minced onion, pickle, like very simple. The bun is like borderline burnt, just covered in butter, glossy on top. And it's just soul satisfying. And it's it's weird to say eight bucks is cheap, but But it is. It I mean, is. when you think it of the really cost of now? beef right now, I mean like that Absolutely. is. So yeah. I I'm for that. Yeah, you know what? Mine is well so okay, mine of late. I mean, I eat a lot of burgers. Mm. But the one that I keep thinking of and I keep driving by going, is this am I in the right time frame? Can I pop in? is the Oklahoma style burger at Lynn Lake Brewery. Mm. Did you guys have that? Okay. I just heard about that that's the new great. jam. I didn't know until last week I didn't know Oklahoma style at all. I, and right? now now I have a thing now and now you're I got to find it. Yeah. You're what does that entail? I don't know. So what they do is they take they cook the onions with the burger. So in they it's like and it's a shred of onions. It's like a it's like a just a big topple like a wig of onions on your burger. Like they did they sear like one on top. Yeah, and so okay. so it's like you, you they sear one side of the burger and then they put the onions on top of the raw and then they flip it. Oh, with okay. the onions and the burger, it huh. all so the, gets gorgeous. The onions are against the flat the top, meat. with the meat Between on top meat, of it, and fat, so that and gets all gorge. Wow. Like, yep. haven't heard haven't heard of that term. It is, and that is it is an Oklahoma style, right? And so okay. I feel like I feel like those guys at Lynn Lake Brewery were kind of the first to kind of pop it forward yep. in town. Mm-hmm. Now Jorge Guzman is going to do it at Petit Leon. Oh, that burger looks crazy. I mean, hello. Yeah. And actually, out this is one of those secret things where, like, sometimes I don't tell everybody about where I'm going. You know, <laughs> is necessarily is out in Mound, Minnesota. There's a place called Dakota Junction, Ooh. and it has an Oklahoma style right, burger, right. which I don't necessarily take pictures of because sometimes I just eat it so fast. Yeah, there's no, there's no time. It's like an eight dollar burger. <laughs> Thank you for not taking a photo of like an empty wrapper and being like, "Ate it too eat fast." Eat it fast. I hate that. <laughs> I've, I think I've Oops. done that once, and then I was like, "I'm sorry, everyone." I have friends who only do that, and I'm like, "What is this feed?" No. Oh, it's just the same as yeah, people who take pictures of reason. coffee. I'm sorry. Yeah, just the, okay. Well, I used to take a lot of photos of glasses of beer. Like if you look real deep into my feed, because just I, I got, still do. You still do. But like, but like just the glass, you know. Like here's here's a glass of beer. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. tasty. Granted, yes. it was in a time when like SRMs were like all over the place. Of course, in a time when most things look like this cruise banquet. Oh yeah. And then suddenly it was like this one's red, this one's black. <laughs> but like that first like year on Instagram, I'm like. Are you fucking joking? It's just a bunch of pictures of beer glasses. Oh, God. It's well, what's, so true. Okay, so what's your elegant meal, Charles? Yeah, what's your elegance? Like the food memory. Close yeah. your eyes. What's, yeah. what's the meal that you would... Nothing changed exactly the same. Sure. There's so many answers. Like, and again, it's the any given day proposition. I was saying prior to this that like any day you can answer most of the questions that we ask on here. In a yeah, yeah, way. yeah. And I was in Spain in summer of last year with my wife for our honeymoon. So there was like ganbara, the mushrooms with the egg. Like, are you kidding? Yes. That's unbelievable. However, the answer that occurred to me when this question was asked was in 2015, when I was in Santiago, uh, Chile, judging in the South American Beer Championships, me and a couple other guys who were from Minnesota that were there, because it's a very big competition, uh, Mike Miziorko and Charlie Rower, on the last night there, we went to this swanky little cantina. There was this um, this troupe playing that was very uh, in the vein of um, uh, like Buena Vista Social Club. Oh. Playing like yeah. cool jazz. It was all like old timers. You could tell they've been performing their whole lives. Dimly lit candles everywhere. Uh, we got a bottle of 
Car- Carmen Yer. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> no, exactly that. That's how they sound. Get out of here, dude. So we got a bottle of Carmen Yer, and it was decanted for us, and we ordered halibut cheeks mm. in uh, like a tomato stew, like a spicy tomato stew. It was like how many halibut had to die for this meal is what I was wondering at the time. It was so many portions of cheek. There's probably 30 of them in there. Came in this giant clay pot, just steaming like a cartoon, Ugh. like a like a Studio Ghibli cartoon. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Big loaf of bread came out. Oh. They're like, you know, we're ripping it by hand and like dunking it in there, listening to this music, drinking the wine. It was just spectacular. And I think about it frequently, like, oh man, remember I that? Would love to have that. There's like olives in there, onions, oh, garlic, yeah. like, you know, like some like fenugreek or something, like some weird inexplicable like spices. Yes, please. Mm-hmm. So amazing. And yeah, just like yeah. thinking about that just makes me happy. Like I love that trip. It was just like all love, like being around like great people and. Do you think that the trip has something to do with it? Because yeah, the other thing I was going to say was would be a bowl of ramen I had in Japan. And it's like yeah. part of it is that you're out of your element. Mm-hmm. You're sort of open to experiences and everything is heightened. And you sort of like you soak in the experience. I mean, I'm yeah. sure that ramen was amazing. But I also sure, I'm sure that it probably, you know, like if I had it here in the middle of a busy Wednesday, I'd be like, right. this is great. But I right. wouldn't be like, oh, my God. Yeah, well, no, it's no, experiential. No, no. It changes yeah. the dynamics completely. Like yeah. someone who's like this Philly cheesesteak I had in Philly is better than any Philly. There's no reason a Philly cheesesteak in Philly (laughs) could be better than anywhere else because of the nature of what it is. Right. It's not about like the water composition in the air. There's no terroir in a Philly cheesesteak, people. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody can trace the roots of the cheese whiz. They didn't spontaneously (laughs) ferment the thin sliced ribeye. Oh my God. I I think it 100% is part of that because we're so, anchored to our phones and that usually when we're on vacation is one of the few times that we can actually give our all to a meal yeah but uh to be the arrogant asshole in this podcast i also knowing the three of us in this room it's also a a, a time where nobody will come up to us and bother us true during a meal you're absolutely true and i have 100 percent built that box that i'm going to complain about but it's part of the reason that i love meals when we're overseas because nobody has any interest nobody in cares talking to us nobody gives a fuck because <laughs> mine m- mine was uh, in Paris, but it was the exact opposite of your reservation. We were the last reservation of the night <laughs> at this restaurant called Spring, and it was down a cobblestone alley, and there's yeah. no lights, and there's no sign, and like, thank God I had GPS, because I walked up, we walked up to the building, and I still didn't know if this was where we were supposed to go, and then we went in, and it was, it was one of the most mind-blowing dinners I've ever had. It was like eight courses. Their um, wine cellar was originally carved out in 1670. And had been a wine cellar the entire time. So thinking of the, like they brought us down there and like thinking about the history, uh, I was so obsessed with that place that I like wrote down the name of the hand soap that they had oh, in the bathroom. Oh my god! Because it smelled so good, I walked out of the bathroom just smelling like, my hands, <laughs> huffing your hands, <laughs> like like Molly Shannon and SNL, like superstar. Like yeah. I, it was every everything in that place was so thoughtful. Yeah, and the fact that super even, intentional. Yeah, and the, uh, the the main meat course was duck. And, like, they literally, they had the, the jus, and then they poured it into a separate copper pot just for serving to us. And, and just the fact that they took that, like, extra step, because this is a prettier serving vessel, like, everything was so beautiful, and I would give anything to experience that again. Ugh. But when it comes to cheap eats, in yep. any city on earth, I am a Euro whore. Really? I don't need quality. I want the dingiest, dirtiest, grossest place, and I, I love them. 
I love them. Come it stay is, at my place in Batroon, man. We'll, I'm telling you, man. We'll eat so many years. Oh my god! I would for the rest for the rest of my life. I would very easily be able to do that. Dude, the shops like just walking down the street in Batroon. There's shops I don't know about. You just smell it, and you Wait, kind where of is this? The, in Lebanon. Oh, Lebanon. Yeah. Yep, on the west coast. Uh, I have a condo there my family why not i've had and a euro on four continents so far and i will continue every single country i've ever been in with the exception of iceland okay wait not a lot of euros in iceland. Not a lot of yeah. <laughs> which is weird because they have sheep and lamb everywhere every i was yeah. gonna say that Come is on guys stack it up bizarre. okay wait here's a question about traveling and stuff is there a thing that you guys do that like you have to do in every foreign city you're in like is Ooh, there yep. a thing it doesn't have to necessarily be food but if my wife is with we always, our thing is we, um, we go and find a really nice deli mm-hmm. and we make the most baller sandwich we can find. Like, uh, oh, like you buy the stuff? No, we buy oh. all the stuff and so then yeah. we make the sandwich yeah. and then we go get a bottle of wine, we get paper cups yeah. and we go find a park or like an, uh, an overlook of a harbor yeah. or whatever and we sit and we drink baller wine out of a paper cup and eat a sandwich that we made together. That's amazing. It's my favorite thing. That's it's, pretty good. I love it. Charles? Yeah, I don't have anything that's no? very like religious. I think that my thing is always I want someone to make me a drink you know <laughs> yeah like, I want someone to make me a cocktail that also that's also just a matter of learning about people yeah because you visit a city anywhere in the world and someone's making you a drink and you have a conversation with them yeah yeah that's more about learning what the people in that city are like than it is about learning what uh anything culturally like food drink right museums it's it's learning what the people are like yeah yeah so my thing is grocery stores yeah. Like, I have to go to a grocery store. Yeah. It doesn't matter if I'm going to even buy anything, but I have to walk through that grocery store and see what that's all about. Does it have to be a grocery store? Or could it be a farmer's market? Do you, it, like, specifically both. like a grocery but store? But I, I do I, – farmer's markets are great, but mm. it has – but I do want to tuck into some grocery store at some point, sure. even just to walk through and see what's there because that, sure. to me, informs more about what – you know, farmer's markets are beautiful, and, of course, if yeah. you're in Paris and you don't go to a farmer's market, you kind of feel like – Come on, what are you even doing? I mean, what are you even doing? But if you go into, like, a market and a grocery store, I was in, you know, like, suburban Prague, and, like, you know, in this basement grocery store where I was like, oh, (laughs) I'm supposed to put a coin in for the cart? Got it, got it, I got it. (laughs) You know, and then I'm just, I'm like, I'm not buying anything. I'm just walking around. The original Aldi, huh? Yeah, seriously. And I'm just walking (laughs) around, and I'm watching the women, and I'm watching, you know, the shoppers, and I'm just looking at the meat counter, and I'm looking at all of it because – that's how that country really eats, them, yep. you know? And it's like, I want to know that more than the restaurants. Not maybe more than the restaurants. I want to know that equally yeah. as much as I know the restaurants. You know, it's funny because I, I do the same thing, but I didn't really realize why I was doing it, yep. but that's it. That's why you want to know. Because it's, and like, it's like what you said. You want to know the people. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you get a better handle of, of what that is by seeing, like, oh, not tourist stuff, just where normal people have to go in and get their sustenance. Yeah. That's that thing. It's a lot of curiosities, too. You see their snacks, like Seriously. their little cookies and their treats. And yeah. Their... What the no, hell is that? I want listen. to hear that. What In Japan, like, like the 7-Eleven, they... you know? Yeah. I mean, I know that, like, we went to the downstairs, you know, the big department stores that have these huge food halls in the basement, yeah. and that is spectacular. But, you know, just, you know, dipping into those 7-Elevens and the little, like, little shops on the corners and stuff is amazing, obviously. <laughs> little Sando vending machines oh, and stuff. <laughs> I mean, can Japan just do everything better than us? <laughs> yes, they can because they're perfectionists. They I basically <laughs> say it to my kid every day, ah, Japan has done it better. Yeah, be like the Japanese, you know, like everyone's a master of everything when they go on Wikipedia now. In Japan, they're like, we got to make rice for seven years yeah. Yeah. before oh. we can even put a piece of fish on it. <laughs> Seriously. 
<laughs> I got to shake this drink for five years. For five years. And I'm then gonna, I can serve it to wait, you. Wait, I'm going to bring the German beer masters here. I'm going to suck everything I know from them <laughs> up in Sapporo. And then I'm just going to make it better. Go no. away now. You're fine. I mean, Pip Hansen went for a six-month oh, internship yeah. just to carve ice. I know. Yeah. And that was, like, jokes aside, like, that was a very serious internship. Yeah. Absolutely. And I love thinking about that. Yeah. Every time I, I think about, like, what would it take for me to, like, go here or go there? Like, that is an insane thing to think about. And yeah. I love that I know somebody that did it. And then you think of the American thing of, like, hurry up, go big, get it done, make a ton of them, go mass. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it's just, it's, you're either there or you're not. 60-minute paella. Yeah. All right, I'm an expert. <laughs> it's over. $4 for 30 courses. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Five-minute bolognese. Like, no, <laughs> guys, let's not. Please. 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 Uh, oh. But let's do another one, let's eh? Let's do it. Oh. Here we are. Ping. Cheers. Come by, Skull. Cheers. cheers. Come by. Charles. Come by was appropriate, actually. Oh, excellent. Mm. It's just good. It's getting better. It's so good. It's spoopy season, all right? Spoopy. It's spoopy season. <laughs> spoopy. <laughs> That's what made me arrive at this question here. Okay. So are you a horror movie type? Uh, for some people, it's not your bag. You if didn't say is, horror, just to make sure, right? You said horror. 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 Okay, just horror movies. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, I don't think I've had enough shots to say that sometimes there's some crossover. <laughs> it definitely is. <laughs> I mean. Then I said it anyways. Yep. So if so, what are your favorites? If not, what's your Black Piper's, Pepper's Tea spicy version of creepy Halloween fare? <laughs> Wait, what was the second part? <laughs> like for some, like somewhere my wife, she doesn't like horror movies, but this time of year she'll be like, I'm in the mood for something spooky. And oh. I'm like. No you're, no, not. you're not. No, you're not. So I'll go through the, I'll go from like super hot lamb vindaloo, you know, and yeah. then I'll oh. just like, I'll go down to black, black peppers, tea spicy, oh, I got middle you. class oh. fancy. You know what I mean? So like yeah, yeah. black peppers, okay. tea spicy. Like she likes, she likes Sabrina on Netflix, which I'll watch with her, but it's, there's nothing scary no, about no, that's it. Not, like, that's no, no, that's just no. like, uh, you know, like the, that's like teenage willies. Like, no. Okay. Know, like, so this is a great ooh, question because ooh. October for me is the time that yeah. I watch the scary movies. Like I literally right. from October 1st start and it's like, yeah. I've got it set up and mm -hmm. I'm still, I still have a, you know, a senior in high school in my house. And so I'm currently educating him on many things. Awesome. So like we had, we, I didn't realize that I had, we had not watched the shining together. Oh. And so we did that and he was like, okay, it's the music. He's like, it's the music that totally oh, gets you. And I'm like, yeah, he's got a lot of levels. Um, but so, yeah, so the shining for me, here's, let me break this down for how horror works for me. Mm -hmm. I really want to be disturbed. I don't want to be shock scared. Mm -hmm. I don't, I mean, you want to slash some people house of wax. You want to bake them in a, ter a terrine. Great. You know what I mean? Like yeah. all that kind of stuff to me, the grossness of it all isn't, I don't care about the grossness because I don't know. I've had four kids. You know what I mean? Like this <laughs> is fine. Like I understand yeah. everybody's grossness, but I'm saying I want to be like mentally mm -hmm. worried. <laughs> and Absolutely. I also, I'm the same way. I would love to be spiritually worried because I love the demon aspect of things i loved omen i loved sure. the exorcist and like okay. all the exorcist stuff around the exorcist yeah. um because i want to know about like you know they're like well this place is consecrated because the devil fell from heaven when during the fight and they landed here and i'm like oh, that could have happened where was that you know all of that stuff for me is pretty great but i have to if i'm going to tell you honestly like when i get down to it the michael myers laurie strode canon yeah Halloween, I think, was maybe the first 
horror movie that I ever watched. The very sc- and like in like my friend Lori and I were at home babysitting her little brother alone in the dark, and we watched it, and we were like, "What are we doing?" You know, this was like <laughs> in the '80s, right? Okay. So. Um, not too long after it came out, actually in like 1978, but it was um, it was it was to me like terrifyingly vague of like why, and I mm-hmm. kept going like why is he coming after her? Because of course yeah. you don't find out this whole construct that she's the sister until the second one, right. mm-hmm. which I do like the second one. Let's be clear, but any, anything after that is ridiculous. Have you seen the new new one? Okay, so. <laughs> it's really great. so. Wait. You said it's bad. It's great. Oh, I was gonna say, Charles, no, we're gonna have a moment it is here. Fantastic. Let me tell you that I went to it alone okay. because I thought that was important. I love you so much. I know because I couldn't <laughs> handle because Jake hadn't seen it. Uh-huh. He's my, you know, the kid. He's like the only one who has. You hadn't my, seen any of them, or he has not. He has. He, had, he had, at the time that that came out, he hadn't seen any of them. Okay. Yet. So I had been you holding. You can't start there. You yeah, can't, right? right? And so then I was like, I gotta go alone, and I went alone. <laughs> and I literally sat there like this, and I, I literally cried at the end of it. I was so excited because it's powerful. Laurie so Strode good. is a woman of the ages. Mm-hmm. Let me just tell you that this is this was to me a thing where um, all of the other stuff that had gone on by the different Halloweens and everything. And P.S. Like. Uh, Paul Rudd, of course, you know, made his debut. Uh, Josh Hartnett made his debut. You know, there were so many people (laughs) who were famous because of, maybe not because of, but in spite of some of those Halloween movies. But the fact that Jamie Lee Curtis is is a fight back woman Mm -hmm. and that she does it without too many catchphrases and the cheesy aspect of it, of just being vulnerable but also being strong, that was a thing that has always resonated with me. And why will always totally believable in that yes. role. Yep. One hundred percent. And so when I went back to watching it, so just this last year, Jake and I, I made him watch the original and then I made him watch the last one, the latest one. Yeah. And he was he was in. Dude, that's kind of a cool way to go, actually. Yeah, really cool way to go. You, you need to skip one. all the middle stuff. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it, it it might be the second best one. It is very good. Yeah. That like this, the cinematography of the shot where they're looking through the living room window, yeah. and he goes around the house, and they do kind of that like long shot. <laughs> it's I'm you know, spoiler alert. It's October, I guess. I, I'll I'll use some caution, but that shot, that's like that's holy insane. shit, man. Maybe this should go up for some Oscars. It, it was so well, well shot. And it there was, was also some really great. There were some really great female parallels from the original in '78 to the one that was yep. just made, obviously. Mm-hmm. Between the daughter and the granddaughter. I thought it was like yeah. a loving like tribute slash wink to I like did. this is what made this movie great. Yeah. And like and I'm gonna spoiler something on this one, but like the minute that, you know, let's just say that he's on the he's on Lori's compound, you know, Michael Myers, and he shoves her over the edge and she falls to the ground, right? And then it cuts back to him looking into the room, and then it cuts back to him looking down and she's gone, and we're all like, yes! Oh shit. she just did a yes, Michael Myers. She just Michael Myers too. <laughs> And you, I think you do. You have to be like a movie fan yep. to really appreciate that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Oh. Kwan, okay, what what's your scariest? You? What's your scariest? Ooh, me? Yeah, or you. So I was weird when I was a kid because I loved horror movies. They did not scare me at all. I got scared by things that were like a little more subversive or weird. The things that creeped me out when I was a kid were like Pee Wee Herman's Funhouse. <laughs> Uh, no, Peter Herman's Big Adventure. Yeah. Sorry, Peter Herman's Funhouse, whatever. But the the movie, yeah, fucking creepy. Uh, There's some dark. Parts Willy Wonka. 
Wizard of Oz. Willy Wonka is legit dark. Children not a softie. Movies like that have like these very like subversive dark elements that really weirded me out when I was a kid and I'd have like nightmares about them or I'd robo trip like drink too much cough syrup and then like watch Wizard of Oz. (laughs) That's not not a great idea. (laughs) But uh, actual horror movies, I mean, I I loved it all in the era of like the 80s and 90s. I wanted to absorb it all. I loved uh, when I worked at Schinders when I was 18. I would take home like stacks of tapes of like Japanese and Korean and French horror movies, Ringu and like um, even like stuff like Korean, a lot of Korean horror movies are like dark comedies, yeah. like The Host, which are just fun to watch. And then obviously like just 80s stuff, 90s stuff. I've been setting up, not before it snowed, I was setting up a projector in my yard that I, I recently got this super sweet projector so I could safely watch like sports and stuff with my friends. I've been doing screenings of, of horror movies in the yard. Like we'll watch like sports and then I'm like, throwing out a horror movie. So like uh, Evil Dead, we watch Evil Dead. We watch Killer Clowns from Outer Space, which oh, is like... Some of the corniest shit you could but ever. It's so horror. good. Camp it's horror so is just corny. as good. Yeah, yeah that's horror, that's some of that's the most the fun stuff. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, actually, that's like, it's the like sweet to the salty of of horror movies that are actually trying to freak you out because most modern horror I think is too try hard. Yeah, I don't really like it. I wish it would be campier. Yeah. Like they did the Evil Dead series, and it was the similarly campy, weird Bruce Campbell shit. Listen, the Bruce Campbell shit is. Probably like some of my favorite stuff. Of course, like the trauma style, yeah. like yeah. I'm here for it. porn weirdness, like yeah. this demons like cracking jokes, like unintentionally. Did you, see House? did you ever see House? That's that was the weirdest. Why do I love that movie? And how? When did I see it? I don't know. Because it's weird. Because it's and it's funny and it's William Cat. I right? like anybody like, that turns it American on its side. I'm into it. You yeah. know, like give me that weird shit. Yeah. Yeah. But I uh, so growing up. The answer, without a doubt, was Pet Cemetery, the Stephen oh. King adaption. Sure. Yes. Because my cousin... I heard the new one is garbage, by the oh, way. Yeah, I won't even watch it. I didn't watch, watch it. it. My no, cousin, I, I if, you, if you see the cover of it, my cousin is the guy with his brain hanging out. He's the biker that gets hit. Oh, my God. And he's oh, the really? one that tries to talk him into <laughs> That's not... That's your cousin? Yeah. Trying, yeah. Right. So, it's Pascal. Okay. So I was nine. Walter Pascal. Yeah, I was nine or ten. And... Everybody was like, your cousin's in a movie. Like, we should go see it. Like, cool. Oh, yeah. And the, the Achilles tendon slit from oh, the little kid oh. under, like, I couldn't Ooh. have my feet out of the covers <laughs> yeah. for, like, literally until I was in high school because that scene because fucked me up scene. so bad because yeah, I had never seen it. pretty hard to do when you were 6'4", when you were <laughs> exactly. nine. I would, I, would, I would take covers to my tits yeah. so that the feet could be covered yeah. up. So you be sitting up against the bedboard. Be <laughs> but obviously, like, things change and you get into different shit. And I loved all the 80s stuff because it was so funny. Like, I loved, yeah. I would laugh so hard I cried at, like, Friday the 13th. Um, but now, looking back on it, my favorite horror movie, without a doubt, was Hereditary. And I said, I tweeted after we, as we walked out of the theater, I said, if this fucking movie doesn't win every Academy Award, wow. I give up on, on film. Tony Collette is absolutely fucking spellbinding in that movie. And I'm obsessed with it. I've watched it probably ten times in the last year. Oh, really? So I'm watching okay. it tomorrow night. Oh, it's so, so good. So I've not seen it. And my bet, my my uh, kid's best friend, like my other son, my bonus son, he's like, "You have to watch it with me." I'm like, "Fine." Well, we went through all last year and we didn't get it done. And I'm like, "We have to wait till October now." And so we're gonna watch it tomorrow night. So here, here's what I'll I'll just say. And Charles, have you seen it? Yes. Okay. I don't know. Tell me if you agree with me, but. 
my thing with that movie is a I love the mystery of not really knowing what's going on. I love that. And she I've never seen a better vessel of the entire movie. I felt like I was watching through her face. Like Ooh. the way that Tony Collette reacts to everything going on around her. She's, ma- she's it, magic. Like I was floored and I at times I kind of forgot about the story because I was so absolutely spellbound watching her play that role. Yeah. And it is I mean and like the the, it's not jump scares, but like the things that yeah. do rattle you, yeah. they rattle you out of fucking nowhere, and it's oh. So I will say that I got a press release like two days ago that was like the not the top ten heart racing movies are, and number one is Hereditary. Well, they say your heart like beats like at X percentage more palpitations <laughs> per minute. And they measured. They did. They did. They measured yeah. like fifty people. Okay. Well, and and you know obviously like you know your son noticed the music. They, that is such a huge part of it and just throughout the whole movie it just slowly turns up and the tempo goes up oh, it excellent. never there, there's never like this piece that it's it's an entire movie of just a slow oh, ramp so up Ugh. So, so everyone excited. out there I don't care when you hear this go watch Hereditary, Hereditary. Here's, here's, a, here's a mini follow up real quick do you have a trope in a horror movie that you hate do you have a what? a trope like a thing that happens in a lot like oh. commonly in horror movies I hate movies. that if you have sex you have to die I think that's such bullshit. <laughs> okay. that's, that's so true. fucked. I just hate the boobs. I mean, quite honestly, as a woman, it's just, and that kind of goes along I mean, it's with probably that. The, yeah, it's the same it's thing. It's pretty much like, oh, boobs, she's going to die. There's you know always, what I mean? Yeah, there's she's always a whore. Her yeah, values. Yeah, the boobs are just signal death, and I, I hate that. Also, sure. I, I get really, <laughs> I mean, obviously they make bad choices, but like, you know, I, I feel like I could fucking outrun someone real hard if I was absolutely terrified. Sure. You know? If you didn't look back. It's and like, also, it's like when you play yeah. the basketball coin-out machine, don't watch your shot. No. You know, no. just keep going. You need to zigzag. <laughs> P.S. If, you got, yeah, if zigzag. you're in the woods, babes, you got to zigzag. You got you to gotta distract that shit. Really? Come on. Yeah, mine's, mine is creepy kids. You know, little kids walking at me with a hammer, I'm just going to kick I'm them in the fucking face. Yeah. Like. That's true. Yeah. Or the people so that who one... do the things like, I'm going <laughs> to kill you, and you're like, you have a knife. Yeah. I'm like, right. I can kick your knife. <laughs> but the child, the balls. I'm trying to like, think of the movie. There was like, this is when it occurred to me after having seen this my whole life. There was a movie with a kid like in a shed walking toward his dad holding a hammer. <laughs> and the dad's like, no, no, no. I'm like, dude, just dude, take a push him down. Take a swing. So, like, <laughs> so, here's the thing is. Just pump this guy. His here's the thing is, I want to agree with you, but then uh, I don't know if any of you guys follow Tom Horgan on yeah. Twitter. Oh. His. His kid has, like, an imaginary ghost friend she that has. she talks to. Aurora, which she had a long time. She yeah. doesn't anymore. Okay. But, but, but when she was three. That whole Twitter thread sister. of him talking about, uh, like, what she would say and what she would do. I'd be like, listen, you're going to stay here, but I'm going to leave. I'm moving out of this house. Yeah. <laughs> so, sorry. Do you guys have kids? I don't, I don't no. think. I, okay. No. So three is the age where they really can, like, express to you things and they're still attached to the other side Ooh. seems like they're convening they with, are yeah. any i swear to god anytime you get in like <laughs> hang out so with a three-year-old because they haven't really fully they're just learning to verbalize things mm-hmm. like in in a philosophical way sure. and so they're expressing what they see and they hear and all the things but they're still attached they're still they're s- they can see through the film i gotta i gotta bring that up with my mom she always tells the story that when i was three i'll remember I, that i had an Shoot. entire like Apparently, I had an entire backstory about how I'm not from Earth. I'm actually from a different planet. And I came here in a water slide, and that was how I ended up here. And I had, like, she's like, I I had the planet name. I had all of this stuff going on. And as I went so fast that I aged, I Benjamin buttoned myself. 
And I don't remember any of this. This was all before, yeah. like, I have any yeah. memories, but it was, yeah, it was crazy. I got to ask my mom how old I was when I would sleepwalk in the hallway and say, they're climbing on the walls. Oh, they're boy. coming for me. Sleepwalking I'm pretty sure it was Super Mario, level. though. I think it was just Super Mario. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Uh, well, hey, cheers to that. Okay, cheers, cheers to that. <laughs> Three taps. Spoopy cheers. Spoopies. All right. Um, as somebody who part of your career is literally teaching people that don't know the restaurant industry or aren't like insiders how to find good stuff and how to do things. Uh, I don't know if, if you consider yourself that role, but a teacher is absolutely how I see you in oh, part. That's lovely. So looking at, at your life, is there a teacher or a mentor at some point that kind of poked in and maybe yeah. changed the trajectory of where you were headed? So I grew up, and where I live now is the same place I grew up, which was not my plan, <laughs> um, in the western suburbs in Orono, Minnesota, which is known to be kind of a lily-white, richy, bitchy place, and it still is. But I love it, and I love it for a lot of reasons because of the fact that there are really good people there, and it's small, and it feels small, and there's, um, there's a lot of great things about it. There's a lot of things that need to be fixed that I think are finally... Anyway, the thing is, is back in 1988 or 7, because I'm in 89, class of 89, uh, I had a humanities teacher by the name of Melody Margaret Monikin. That's a fantastic name. She's a fantastic lady. Good alliteration. Oh, she's wonderful. <laughs> she literally cracked my life open. And I think it's because I did not really understand the power of creativity. And I didn't really understand that you could actually have a life in creativeness, in mm -hmm. creativity. Because I think we, as a, we were sort of put on the path of like, well, you'll go to college and you'll do the things. But no mm -hmm. one ever said like what you're supposed to do. It was just basically like you're going to go to college and then you're going to have a life. And it's like... I never understood, I didn't want to be a teacher, and I loved words, and I loved English, um, and I loved expression, but I didn't know that that's what I love, mm -hmm. you know? And so with her in humanities, she opened all that up by saying, this is, this is kind of what this is, but here's how it's done in the world, you know? And we looked at art, and we read poetry, and we read, you know, stories, and we read, and we wrote stuff, and we analyzed, and we looked at things, and I was like, yeah, this is it, like, this is it, but then... How do, you, how do you be that? And she was one of those people who sort of said, um, you, can, you can pretty much do whatever you need to do. You just have to find that way. You have to find the way, and it's not going to be evident. You're not going to, like, it's not going to show itself to you. You have to work That's at That's amazing. It. Yeah, and she, she was also the first person I've ever seen wear Birkenstocks. <laughs> and it was like, we were all like, wait, what? And she was the first person who challenged what, uh, what the gay community meant to the world, to me, and to all of us, because we're, again, out in a sheltered little white bread orno. Mm -hmm. And um, she said, and she, she's not gay, but she had said what, you know, she was talking, she lived in Uptown, and that was a thing. And then she would say, like, talking about gay pride, and of course our sheltered existence in the 80s especially, we were like, well, who yeah, even needs... some time ago. Yeah, we're like, who even needs a party? I mean, that seems like excessive. And she, I'll never forget the fact that she said... Someone said, well, why do they need a party? Why do, they, why do the homosexuals need a party? And she says, why do heterosexuals need a party? Every day yeah. of life is a heterosexual party. Right. She's the like, world is a heterosexual the party. The world is a heterosexual party. And I was like, oh. And 
I'll never forget that she, <laughs> she sanctioned me writing poetry. I was basically Cyrano de Bergerac for so many girls <laughs> and boys. I wrote love poems for people, and they paid me. Oh, and I she, love that about you. Oh, That's my so God. Awesome. This is, I've never spoken this, by the way. This is not, this has not been spoken before. That's awesome. But I would sit in the back of her room during, like, the study hall mods thing that we had, and I would <laughs> write, I, I, not only, and you'll love this especially, not only would I write poems for girlfriends and boyfriends for money, I would write them for snacks. Yeah. You give me a bag of Reese's Pieces? Sometimes more important. <laughs> I'm in. Cheesy yeah. popcorn? Sunkiss Natural? Because what are you going to use the money for? <laughs> Probably snacks. Probably snacks. Just yeah. eliminate the middleman. <laughs> so Melody Margaret Monikin, who is friends with me on Facebook, and she is now living in the Boundary Waters, I believe, and she is a protector of the Boundary Waters, of course. Shout out to Triple M. She's, she literally, and here's the other thing that is sort of significant about her. We had one kid in our class, I won't say his name, but he, we used to call him Alex P. Keaton because he would carry a briefcase around and he was super Republican and he was like, he always wore the tie and the vest and everything else. Lovely human, but just like really sort of bunched up, if you will. And he, he ended up going to, she and he would battle and he would try to argue and she would show him the way. And, you know, it was kind of this back and forth. It was always supportive. It was never angry. Um, And then he went off to college, of course, and then he ended up being a teacher himself. And he credits her. Oh, that's amazing. He completely, obviously lost all of, he he uncracked, he Mm. let go, and he understood. And he now is a teacher just like she was. That's so beautiful. Isn't that crazy? Oh, my God, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, that's wonderful. (laughs) So that's, I mean, and that's like, that's like, I don't know. I think the things that, and maybe you don't know that I used to do training for restaurants. And I used to, so I literally was a teacher. I did not know that. I trained people to do, like, if you're talking about... (laughs) The buka experience and everything there. I mean, I grew buka from three restaurants to fifty. Under that mine. that reads in your writing. Yeah, like, maybe so. No, but but I mean that in like the best compliment, because I get so frustrated trying to explain to people, like, a how to find good restaurants and how to support good restaurants and. But, like, I was doing it from the inside out, trying to like yell at people from the front door of where I was working. Yeah. And when you read your articles, it's. It's, I'm trying to show you where to go, but I'm also trying to teach you why. Yeah. And I'm trying to say that this is important and this is why it's important. And that's a really, to that's do that subtly, that's also like, but that's a huge job to have. Like, so many people are influenced by that and so many people's lives are enriched by that. So, thank you. Well, thank you. <laughs> I mean, honestly, the weirdest part about it is that, so if you think about the fact that we're talking about teaching and education, and, and I went from you know, high school into college, liberal arts college, where it was like, oh, you're an English major, are you going to teach? That was the number one question. I was like, no. You know, like, I'm not going to sit in front of a bunch of kids in a box room. No. And then I went into restaurants. You know, I I started in advertising, which, of course, everyone does. And then, (laughs) or at least they did in 93. Mm -hmm. And then we, and then I went to fall back into restaurants. And to me, the idea that, teaching was something I wasn't going to do and it was also but but melding that with the hospitality industry with service there's nothing other than service and teaching there's yep. nothing other than giving of yourself and doing it humbly and that okay. is hospitality and like I didn't see that I didn't see that until I got into the hospitality side of it and so to be able to take that piece of of 
giving, and, and I started out by teaching adults. If you think about hospitality, you're teaching adults who, who are a whole different act, <laughs> which is, I know my shit, so fuck you and don't tell me, you know? And you have to break that down, and you have to take their personalities, and you have to put them into their, the mavericks, into the leadership, and you have to take the followers and put them in the right camps, and you have to, you kind of have to massage them. And I think in a weird way, that is always a piece of my writing. Absolutely. Because it's about service. I, I only want to give you guys and everybody else what I think you need or what I want to show you the things that I think can help or be better for everybody. For real. Oh, yeah, it's I never just food. That's no. why we no. were, no. the things we were discussing prior are experiential. Yeah. Like yes. we enjoyed the things that we did or at least the experiences that we recounted because of the experiences that we had mm -hmm. at that time. Like for me, the, the thing in Chile, I'll never experience that again. I'll never be in Chile the same time as Mike Niziarko and Charlie, Charlie Rower ever again. Right. Like we'll never be there together at the same time ever again. So yeah, it's it's all about experience and feel. Like it's just. It's, and so then you have to translate that. Yeah, you know absolutely. what I mean? And you have yeah. to, you, you really have to, to convey that. give that its homage. And also it is something about selflessness in my mind. And I don't, I'm not like trying to play like, you know, Halo Saint or anything, but like I think that you have to come at it from a place that isn't about just you, mm -hmm. and that is something that I think has been hard in food writing, mm -hmm. you know, and it's been hard in the food writing in the national scape where we look at things where people, you know, they want to be kingmakers. And I just I've never thought that that was important as much as giving you the diner somewhere to make your life better. Like, I would rather have you have a great night out if it's at Applebee's, then God, so be it, you know mm -hmm. what I mean. Then, then make sure that you understand that you should be going to this vaunted chef because he's amazing. Yeah. That to me is not equitable in this universe because I feel like there are eaters and readers and there are chefs and I think that, that there's a matchmaking that goes on that you can do if you are taking yourself out of the equation. And I think a lot sure. of writers don't know how to do that. Yeah, that makes Sorry, sense. Sorry, that was a loaded... No, no. That was a lot, you guys. No, 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 but that, no. that's exactly what we wanted. I mean, like... Charles, do you have a, a teacher that, that jumps out to you at all that, that jumped in and, and changed anything or did anything? I think originally when I was considering this question, it was difficult for me to answer. I, I think in my experience, in my profession, I, I'm an autodidact. I collect a lot of like fragments of experience from like different places, things, people. But because I'm a creative director and, and even like when I was younger as a designer, writer, I never wanted to be so much like somebody else that I'd be compared to them. Oh yeah. So I, is, it, I, I look at it like a stained glass window. I grab little pieces. But when you brought up your teacher, that actually reminded me of a high school. I was actually like very quickly Googling <laughs> on my phone. I can't remember right. her name. Sure. And it's also because I'm in the no brain zone. If I have zero beers, I know everything. And if I have six beers, I know everything. Like right in the <laughs> middle. Right in the middle there. <laughs> yeah. It's a little foggy. But you'd be really good at darts name. right now. You'd be really yeah. good at darts yeah. or pool. I, I, I like notate this episode or something when I remember her name. I can remember one of my other English teachers, but there was an English teacher at Columbia Heights High School where I went for three of my four years in high school that kind of pigeonholed me into taking her early AM English class, like yeah. her, her pro, pro, pro level English lit class. Oh, like an AP kind of thing? Yeah, she treated yeah. it like it was a punishment. She basically was like, you have to start coming to school at 7 AM for this English class and read all this high level literature and write about it. And I was like, great. <laughs> at the time I was like, great. 
But it turned out in hindsight that she saw something in me on a creative level because I'm a creative director. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I do most of my writing these days like in the realm of my work. So writing uh, technical and creative copy for my clients. But she saw something in me where she made it seem like, you know what, you gotta, you're gonna have to start coming in at 7 a.m. I, I need you to start coming in early. And I was like, are you kidding me? But n in hindsight, it, it was actually very meaningful. Like, yeah. I think I learned a lot via that. And I'm glad that she sort of manipulated me into doing it. <laughs> it's a challenge. Yeah. Like you got challenged yeah, and you rose absolutely. to the challenge. Yeah. That's in every great teacher if they could do that yeah. i mean and it won't happen to every kid that they tried on but obviously for you it did yeah i think that she saw i wasn't i when i was a teenager i wasn't a great student but i love to learn which i know sounds weird no but again, it's as not an no there's structures like, around that and because mm -hmm. you're a creative you yeah. don't probably learn in that linear fashion mm -hmm. which is of course what they have to do to structure a mass education system mm -hmm. right but as a creative you learn differently yeah, and there's a lot of like questioning how much of this I'm going to absorb and how important it all is, and then wanting to learn on my own. But she taught me so much that I didn't think any teacher would teach me, and I didn't realize it until after the fact. Like yeah. as I was like immersed in it, I was like, "Whoa, she's really, she's she got to me. She's, yeah, she got you. I've learned so much from her. That's beautiful. Okay, what about you? Uh, <clears throat> I've been on a. a a weird uh, quest to find all the teachers that like changed my life, and I've really? I've uh, I've got all but one, um, but unfortunately, uh, Miss Sunil, I I, she's disappeared. I, she doesn't exist on social media, anything. Uh, but she was the first person to really take an interest. But the person that I wanted to talk about is actually somebody who passed away before I could track her down, and uh, her name was Claire Bartle. She was my freshman year English teacher. And I had moved, uh, my mom got remarried, so I had moved to Maple Grove from South Minneapolis. And my first day out there, I wore what I thought was like a normal outfit for <laughs> hanging out with my friends. So I had, I had uh, uh, the D Brown Reebok pumps, I had orange cross-color shorts, I had a Miami Hurricanes jersey, and I had a hat that was a little bit tilted. And I walked in, and they were like, we don't even need to test them, just put them in the normal classes. Yeah. And I, I didn't know, I, I honestly didn't know that there were like, HP or AP classes. I didn't know anything about that. And uh, I, so I just went into the, you know, whatever. And I was like, well, okay, out here, I guess school's pretty easy. That's cool. And I just kind of did my own thing and kept my head down. And then we had um, freshman year, I started in Miss Bartle's class and uh, like three weeks into the year, they had a, a poetry contest that they wanted us to sign up for. And um, everything was submitted to, um, the Jewish Anti-Defamation League, and it was supposed to be, it was in conjunction with a social studies bit about World War II and the Holocaust, and it was trying to like kind of bring all the classes together. And uh, she wanted everybody to sit down to try and show everybody that poetry can just come off the top of your head and whatever. Um, and so she gave us all 45 minutes in the computer lab and we all wrote poems and turned them in. Um, and I, I won the, con it was a national contest and I won it. And she, um, she pulled me out of the class like, she walked in, she's like, Mr. Quam, can I see you outside? And I was like, what? What did I do? I haven't right. done it. I don't know anyone here. I don't have any friends. Yes. Like, what did I do? Yeah. And we went out, and she's like, okay, so you, you won the contest. <laughs> and I was like, oh, for, oh. like, the class? And she's yeah. like, no, like, the national <laughs> contest. And she goes, I, 
I know you're new here, but like, what is, what is your What's background? Your deal? And she made me her project. Yeah. And um, she uh, eventually ended up having me like going to the principal and she made him give me retests and yeah. I tested into AP everything. Yeah. Um, and she stayed with me that entire year. And I found out later that I was a case study in, um, I can't remember the name of the paper, but it was for her doctorate. But it was basically like about kids that were missing. Like these smart kids yeah. that are bored, so they fuck off. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know how better to get people to like me. So I would always do like, I was the guy that would do Chris Farley shit. Like yeah, I would yeah. knock the desk over sure. or I would do the prank. Like, cause then people would laugh and it right. was cool. And, you were and she made sure to k- keep following my trajectory all through high school. And all of my teachers told me that she was checking up on me and seeing wow. what was going on. Wow. And I hate the fact that it took me so long to boomerang around as to how cool that was, that by the time I figured out I should try and track down these people and thank them, yep. that uh, she had already left. That's and Claire Bartle is the bomb. So wherever you are, Claire, thank you for Raise everything that you did. Yeah. Raise one to Claire. <laughs> we all selected school teachers. Yeah. We all My selected English teacher. teacher. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's awesome. That's also a thing. My wife teaches Spanish, yeah. so I think that's kind of cool. That's language. That we all pick, yeah. Yeah, we all pick teachers. Yeah. I know we all pick language teachers, but the fact that we pick teachers is pretty cool. Yeah. That is pretty cool. Well, fucking A. Okay, to to all the go. teachers that to made a difference in our lives. <laughs> and Miss Sunil, wherever you are, I'm going to find you. That's yeah. it. Do it. And I'm going to find the name of my English lit teacher. It's like, like on the tip of my tongue. I'm like, oh, like I know my other English. Like I had one English teacher in high school. I won't say her name, but I told her who to pick for the uh, NCAA tournament when Arkansas won. She won a lot of money, and she's like, do I got to give you a a piece of the, you know, like, I, I don't know if that's legal. I don't know what to say. You know? right? That's beautiful. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh. Charles <laughs> Williamson, baby. All right, Charles, you are up, my man. All right. What number is this? Like four? Number four. Okay. That's what I thought. Look, I'm tracking. Love it. Okay. So this is uh, an advertising oh. question. You started in advertising, but it's not any high level shit. It's, okay. can you think of an ad that you absolutely hate? <laughs> And uh, is it so bad it's good or just plain bad? This is fun to think about. Like, oh, my God. Well, I bad I already, have, I already have it. I mean, I fucking <laughs> hate Snuggle Bear, by the way. Like, oh. in a way that I used to. We used to have a whole thing about, like, how Snuggle. Like, can you imagine Snuggle, like, on fire? Terrifying. And, like, puking. Like, Snuggle. <laughs> and, like, we had all. And so Everything sucks. I suck. You know what? Fuck you, Snuggle. <laughs> I don't know why, and I don't know why that was a thing, but that was a thing that I, I really did not like. Um, yeah, the animatronic <laughs> The animatronic weird, and also the idea of like, I don't know, I have a hard time. So I grew up in a household of women, and my mother is a strong, strong woman who went you know, back to school after my dad left and got her CPA and became the CFO of a couple companies. Yeah. And like, she, this is my track. Shout right? out to mama. Shout out to mom. Um, but so like we didn't have <laughs> the mom vacuuming, you know, in like the tucked in Oxford in the pleated pants kind of thing. Yeah. Although all of 80s said that we should. Right. Of course. So any sort of cleaning thing I have a huge problem with any of those uh, advertisements that are about like, 
oh, I'm so happy because I've cleaned my floors. Fuck you. You are not oh. happy. You are con- you are just maintaining. And also you're maintaining a false sense of reality because your floors actually don't matter. Where are your kids? Where's your husband? Yeah. What's going on in your real a life? A lot of those ads are like very cringy for yeah. many decades. Yeah. Many decades. It's still cringy. It's still there. Now here's the deal. The like, wordplay has changed. The wordplay has changed, and they've in, they've in, they've injected the dad, right? Yep. So now yeah. we have the dad folding laundry with the mom, and they're like <laughs> making jokes. And I'm happier yeah. about Good. that, clearly. Yep. But uh, people yeah. are mad about it. it, it Some people are mad about it's, it. It's yeah. I, I, know. Know. I know. How could you, man? He's providing for the family. Man, Get like, the fuck out of here. Oh God, seriously. <laughs> but you know, part of it too is like, yeah, I'm just, I'm not. I'm not like I don't think cleaning is to be lauded as a virtue, and I think that's a part of it. If I think we're like suddenly it's, we're yeah. getting into some place that I've never <laughs> been before, but I'm telling you that I am too busy to worry about the dust bunnies yeah. underneath my couch, and I don't think that makes me a bad person. But there are plenty of people who think that because they do eradicate their dust bunnies, that they are actually better of a human than me, and that a lot has to do with the way that the society has sort of structured that role of the woman in, I never was supposed to clean. I'm supposed to create and I'm supposed to engage and I'm supposed to entertain. I'm not supposed to. But if you clean everything else, then you don't have to work on you. Let's be real. (laughs) Let's be real though. In the moment that you, in the moment that you get the dust bunnies from all the way under your sectional, you do kind of like look out the window and say, I'm better than all of you (laughs) (laughs) in that moment. So like, the okay. once every right. three months, right. if someone does that, they kind of put their like, the they put their hands on their side, but like the fists on the hips, that yeah. kind, yeah, you know, the Peter Pan stance. the fists on the hips yeah. and you puff out your chest and you say, I'm better than all of you. Well, and it's, it's, it's also the, like, <laughs> yeah. we grew up with friends who had rooms that you couldn't sit in, yeah. you know, like that kind of shit that doesn't soap exist. You can't use. So maybe yeah. we're slowly oh God, peeling those, that away. That, yeah. That's the dusty soap that has lingerie on it. What the oh fuck is that? Why well, does this soap have laundry on it? Why can't I use it to wash my hands? Oh, my God. When we would sit at, <laughs> we went to my friend, the same friend, Lori, who I watched Halloween with. We went to Lori's house, and her mom would be like, um, I was like, where's the toaster? <laughs> you know, in the mornings after a sleepover, yeah. where's the toaster? This also, by the way, she was the girl who had the entire bottom floor of the house. Of course, of course. To herself. Yep. Like, she had a room. She had, like. Mm-hmm. A living room. She had a TV to herself. Like okay. it was more like you guys stay down there, don't come upstairs. <laughs> and then we come upstairs and be like, "Where's the toaster?" She's like, well, "We don't keep it out." Like I'm the asshole for asking to take out the toaster. And I was like, "How do you how do you make your bread crisp?" <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? I don't understand. Why don't you put it away every day. You need it every day. Put, and then she put, she takes it out. She plugs it in. I use it. She immediately takes it out it immediately. It. Drawers, sticks it back in the drawer, and I was like, I'm like, I have ruined your day. And I'm did she turn it upside down and pat it on the butt? She sure did, she sure did. Oh my god, and I was like, Spank the toaster, please. No, sorry, (laughs) I hate being here. I don't, I don't have a perfection piece, and Mm. that's the other part of advertising is Mm. I don't have a perfection piece. I don't, I don't, I don't believe in perfection, and I don't believe it's attainable. And I don't think that it's an actual healthy thing to believe in. I don't believe in happiness. I believe in joy. Yeah. I believe in their moments, like right now, where I feel real good. This and awesome. I feel happy about being here, and I feel joyous for chatting with you guys and opening and talking. But if we talk about the general happiness, that's a lot. Yeah, it's not a thing sure. that you can attain and then you have it. And so the uh, advertising people, 
they they want you to believe that. They're See, the ones who are convincing you that that's real. And that goes hand in hand with what I hate about advertising. Okay, and it's it? it's the fucking the medicine commercials. Oh. It's the oh, yeah. the the 25% slowed down mm-hmm. affluent white family outside playing, yeah. kids running around and then like mom and dad look at each other and smile and it's like do you have a leaky butthole? <laughs> Try. And the, the one that's getting me right now is it's I think it's called Giardina. It's I don't even know I don't, literally don't even know what no, it there's does. No way. They spend like a hundred thousand dollars. It's it's J I A R something something something. Yeah, but it can't be, it's too close to Jardinera. They spend hundreds. Jardinera. They but that was what hundreds I, of thousands the, of dollars the, for names that don't mean anything. Veg. But the first time that I or saw it, I actually bowl. thought it was Jardinera. Spicy butthole. Yeah. So they ran spicy. this. Oh they yeah, they failed then. Spicy butthole. Spicy butthole. <laughs> they, they ran this uh, ad during the Vikings game last week, okay. and I was just not paying attention until. The guy comes in to tell you real quick about the the, the weird side effects. The weird side effects. The side effects to it, as I like, kind of came to and like, wait, what is going on? It was a uh, a bruised, rashed, swelling, or bleeding pernium. And then the voice says, oh, okay. the pernium is the small area of skin wait, between, the a- between, wait, the, ex- between the genitals and the anus. It explains it the explains taint. It it explains what a taint is. A taint explainer. In the fucking head. Taint explainer. And he does oh it in the <laughs> and he does it in the ASMR okay. voice. It's called Jardin. This is the worst, dude. Never take this medicine. If you're listening, never. It's called Jardinera, and they I and told they, you. they had I to fucking Jardinera. Fucking told to you guys. Are you kidding me? I didn't look it up, but they described your spicy taint, and it's called Jardinera. <laughs> never take this. Uh, it's. Which, I, by the way, some spicy oh germs my God. can yeah. create <laughs> like, sensations what, that are What if that was it, though? What if you just ordered it and it was like $500 like you, a dose really and it was just Chardonnay? <laughs> technically, technically, that's... Listen, if you jam up your pop belly order to the Lucky Slevin, which is a secret order, listen, if you just oh jam God. that up, there might be a situation that's close to... Yeah, can I, well, shit. Maybe you can order a pig taint with extra Chardonnay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, can Episode I get a, can seven. I get a number, number seven, uh, sir? Do you want you want the you want the the pork bucket with extra hot jardinera? <laughs> yes, please. Like, uh, Welcome back to Spicy Taints with Stephanie Marsh. We're going to need a doctor's order for you to order that sandwich, Dear sir. God. Technically, that's the only answer. I thought it's not a sponsor. <laughs> fucking prescription drug commercials oh. is okay, technically the only think, answer. Do you think also? Do you ever have a moment though? And here's here's the truth: is like mm. we as individuals who are superior to the people who are cleaning their dust bunnies. We are sitting here going, uh, as we watch them, and we go, people are fucking buying this. And we go, they're not even listening. They're watching the woman playing Frisbee with her fucking dog. And, like, they're just watching this, like, oh, Genefra is, you know, da-da-da. And it'll help you maintain your social, you know, status in life. And it'll be great. And you won't hate everyone. And everyone won't hate you. And then they go to the... <laughs> and then you were sitting there going, this is all numbing. This is totally. all numbing to the societies. Totally. And then we yeah. go, but we're not buying it. No. And then you feel better. I feel like that may be the ultimate <laughs> exercise with prescription drugs yep. is that I feel better knowing that I'm not an asshole who's getting well, this. But here's the thing. If we, this is the, I, I used to have a stand-up comedy bit about this, so. I've already thought about this, but the whole thing was like, I forgot my symbol. If you ran, if, if you just ran the drugs that I like slash maybe you guys like, mm-hmm. 
and you did the same thing. Oh, I can't wait. All the, the all the side effects are Minnesota. so much lower. Uh, <laughs> Nobody's worried about their eyes bleeding and their teeth falling out, their taint swelling. <laughs> None of that happens. Yeah. You might get hungry. You might, you might suicide. You, you might can, like, lose. Cholesterol, oh, by the way, like those chips yeah. that are like my colas in a leakage, and you're like, well, that seems not so bad. <laughs> like, who are those people? Yeah. Who are like, oh, well, I'm gonna. Try it. <laughs> There's no oh chance God. of my nipples falling off, so, so I Marnie, guess I'll do it. Marnie sometimes plays this like real low key, like swanky jazz with like lots of xylophones and stuff. I call it Cialis jazz because <laughs> it makes me just think of the commercials with like the two bathtubs. <laughs> two, two, two bathtubs. <laughs> Why is there two bathtubs in the yard? Why two bathtubs? But there would never but, be two bathtubs. And the bathtubs in are in a field with no water hooked up. <laughs> yeah, to Yeah, they're just holding hands. Uh, you know? That means that's some tepid gray yeah, I call water. It, like, tepid that ass. is some tepid gray water, people. Yeah, sometimes that is some <laughs> hashtag bone broth. Yeah, it's rainwater. Oh, dude, bone broth. Yeah, if it was one tub, maybe no, it could be we bone. We like broth. to call it bits broth. It's got to be one tub. Because it's girl bits and boy bits. <laughs> boy bits. And it's broth. Bits broth. <laughs> My answer is the Quiznos commercials. Okay, <laughs> which let's like new ones or old ones? No, like they got a pepper bar. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, they're so bad they're good, though. I love those commercials, but (laughs) it makes no fucking sense. Why why did someone come up with that? Why did someone decide to make those commercials? How did somebody get paid for that is my problem. (laughs) Oh, yeah, some some ad firm got paid probably hundreds of thousands of dollars. The old Quiznos commercials. Do you remember the ones with the little rats? (laughs) Do you remember the Quiznos commercials with the little rat face? Wait, a rat face? They, they like, self-parked, cut out rats, and then they put giant eyes on them, and then they had them playing in a band together. I don't. It's not Chuck E. Cheese. No, this is no. no, this is straight up like they cut out of a magazine a picture of a rat and then they glued googly eyes to it. There you go. They're not even rats. They're actually amorphized, <laughs> like, a, like yeah, human spirit face animals that are evil. <laughs> this is jam though. It's very moving. No, I don't want that. And also, the derby is misplaced. It should have been. A th- <laughs> <laughs> So what you with smoke and chipotle you sauce it, when you're in school for for viscom or advertising or marketing is a thing called the Whipple effect in the 1970s. There, I'm just Wait, I'm sorry we, I don't know this and thing? I'm just going to tell you right now that yeah. there is no chance I will ever hear that and not giggle. <laughs> what Whipple effect? <laughs> sorry. Okay. Well, we're talking about spicy taints and that's what makes <laughs> I was laughing at that Cialis, too. <laughs> bone broth. All right. There's a lot. There's a lot. This so water was whipple. Whipple effect is uh, Charmin had commercials Wait, in the Wait, whiffle or whipple? Wh- whipple. What did I say, whiffle? Mr. Whipple. No. Whipple. Mr. Whipple. Mr. Whipple. It's whipple. Whipple. It's whipple. Okay, whipple. Just check. Uh, maybe I said something else. Uh, uh, so whipple effect. It's There was Charmin commercials in the 1970s yes. where there was a guy at the market named Mr. Whipple, and he would tell people not to squeeze the Charmin. Please don't squeeze the Charmin. Don't oh. squeeze the Charmin. Wait, yeah. how old are you guys? I remember that. 41. I'm 38. <laughs> Almost thirty nine. Okay. No, I I wasn't there for like it. Like when you're speaking about you this, you're about speaking it. about it as if like it's a thing that happened. Like I yeah. watched them. Like, yeah, I, I remember. Made, don't squeeze the Charmin. Okay, we do. Right? Okay. Was, uh, I, I just want to make sure I didn't, you guys know, like No, I don't remember his name for was, a long time. I don't remember his name was Mr. Whipple. Mr. Whipple. I never knew that was his oh, name. Oh, I knew it. Sure, they probably don't bring it up very frequently. There were versions of the commercial to be like, oh, Mr. Whipple. Right, oh like my God, I want that it. to be my ringtone when like you call me. Walking, it's not like he's got a name tag. Charles, you know I'm it's sorry. I'm going to isolate that vocal. That's on my phone. <laughs> is that video pointed at Yeah, every time you get a text, you want to hear me say that. <laughs> so bad. It's either that or the sound that your friend made when you hit him in the face with a door. <laughs> 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 
Yeah, like eight seconds later when he was like, in, a, in the entirety of our friendship, those are my two favorite sounds you've ever made. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Let's just talk about the elite friendship that has sounds as a favorite. That's an elite oh, friendship. No, that's that's what happens when you're friends with a DJ. I'm, this is true. I'm so this obsessed with like you little are. clips. You and you're hearing <laughs> so everything on different levels. And we gotta, we're going to have to get some, at some point, we're going to have to isolate some sound bites. <laughs> for, instead of me putting the phone up to the mic to play the quiz. <laughs> Dude, we just did that, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, anyways. My favorite podcast so far. <laughs> so fuck quiz. To, like, to compress this. The Whipple effect is like something that's so bad it's good. It makes people talk at the water cooler because of how oh, bad it is. Yeah. Like a lot of McDonald's commercials, you yeah. know. Ba, 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 ba. Like how sick is it that we know that? Like you know what I mean? Like it, that's a in lot your of money psyche. goes into that. The, I know. The number one show on television is The Masked Singer, and I'm just gonna leave it at that. Yeah. Okay. Cheers. Okay. Cheers oh, to that. Oh. Shit. <laughs> Well, we're gonna have the man says cheers. No, I just I just had the bottle next to me. That's the only reason. Let's go. That's a six tap. That's a six tap. Oh, all right. Cheers, chon chon. Skull. All right, it's uh, it's it's time for a slightly hot take question. Oh shit! Oh shit! Oh, what's what is something that you believe to be true for you that most people would disagree with? Or what are you like? This is a thing for me. And most people are like, boo. You can jump the route. Oh, too. You can go first. I'll, I'll go first. Yeah, will you go first? Because like- sour cream is completely unnecessary in spicy cuisine. <laughs> Fucking hate it. Okay, sour cream. I, I if if you offer me a taco and then you immediately put sour cream on it. I will give you the fucking taco back. I did not ask for bland dairy to calm down anything that was going on. I feel right about this. I love sour cream in stroganoff. I love sour cream in multiple other cooking things. I, I don't mind it as a, you know, a fluffer, for lack of a better term, in dairy things that are whipped. But if you fucking put it on cuisine that I am looking forward to, especially like if just by, to are you it. saying like by itself, like unadulterated, just like I'm saying, it on don't stuff? throw it, like in Minnesota, any in Minnesota, Minnesota, you're gonna get if you get you go out to a bar, you know, a yeah. good bar, and, there's and a you're gonna order some tacos, oh, or you're gonna get some of those enchiladas, or oh. a, you know, maybe even a chimichanga. Oh, the chimichanga! <laughs> they will come back if you like, and please just no sour cream. They'll go to put it in as the order, and then come back and be like. No sour cream? No, that's not. That's the only thing on this plate that is not useful. I can't stand it. Just I know with spicy, that, though. Just with spicy, you're saying? Just as a on top of something. I don't need it. Can you, can we talk about creme fraiche? Is that a thing? In a creme fraiche. It's a different, and I still don't enjoy it. You don't enjoy it. I that's don't enjoy what, it. That's what I was getting at, is whether it, if, if it's a, it's got something else in it. I've like used creme. I've used, I've used creme. Yeah, well, that's oh, a totally what? different thing. Like, like char scallion, char poblano. Yeah. Yeah. Some but see, then we're, but that's the difference between like mayonnaise and aioli. I'd say the same thing. Plain mayonnaise is pretty much useless in my life. Mm-hmm. If you use it as a binder for other flavors that are coming into a dish, okay, now we're talking. If you just take the fucking squeeze bottle and go across anything oh. that I want to eat. Mm-hmm. Get the fuck out of here. I don't want that because that condiment provides nothing. But you're saying there's an application for sour cream. Absolutely. It is acceptable to you. I use like sour stroganoff. cream like mashed potatoes, stroganoff. 
uh, I've made it. So like blended in. You yep. don't like having it by itself. Can I give you? Can I give it's, you like yes. an amen? A testimony actually is the pumpkin pancake, or anything pumpkin actually. Yes. So I'm more savory. Was it pumpkin? you I just saw yes. had a savory I totally pumpkin just pancake. Freaking posted that, that because I have been eating that for five days. You guys, I made so many of those that every morning I've woken up and eaten it. Gorgeous. I, think I need it. I think I need that. Yeah. You need it because here's the deal. So I'm savory. I'm I'm super salty, and mm-hmm. so I don't go sweet. And so like everyone with their pumpkin pie, everything else, I'm like, ah, take your sugar away from me. I want squashy. I want spicy, but I want it to be, I want it to be, I want it to be like a biting thing. Like, cause squash can be really good in Absolutely. Biting, right? Can we and agree can the problem with pumpkin stuff is that it's spice and not actual gourd? <laughs> Never talk pumpkin. about the fact Give that it's just baking spice and everyone applies it to Give things that go pumpkin spice. I'm like, Fuck you, that has nothing to do with pumpkin or gourd. Yeah, it could be pecan pie. It could Kirker be, bits? Nothing. Yeah, give me the gourd. Give, give me, me the gourd. gourd. Babe, you and I are on the same page. Let's get that shirt. <laughs> I want that. Give I want that. Gourd. Give Can me we get the on gourd. that? I want it to the, the tune gourd. of Give Me the Loot by Biggie. Like, <laughs> give me the gourd. Give me the gourd. Give me the gourd. <laughs> I was thinking actually the uh, the leprechaun in Mobile, Alabama. <laughs> give me the gourd. Give Back me on, the gourd. Wait, also? <laughs> I just made a spit take. We haven't even water. talked about the fact of leprechaun in the horror movies. Oh, my God. Go that was almost a spit take. I'm sorry. I need the gourd. Anyway, here's the deal. If you yeah. can take a creme fraiche and you can plop that onto something like a squash pancake, like that to me, or you can take it like a squash pie. Like, mm. I don't need squash pie. Like, when people say pumpkin pie and then you go, oh, squash. Remember the whole thing with Libby's when they were like, oh, some of this, some of the pumpkin is actually squash. And people freaked out. I'm like, yo, pumpkin is a squash. It's a gourd. Do you guys have any idea what you're eating? Like, actually read into this shit. Like, find some stuff out. Didn't they take the 30-minute gorgucation class on Zoom? Gorgucation? (laughs) That makes me blush, Charles. All right, so <laughs> here's the deal. I think, like, you need to embrace the squash without the sugar. Correct. Because mm-hmm. it also has beautiful sugars within itself. It's born it with them. It is born yeah. with them. Amen to the Kwame. Um, I think that if you apply, like, a swath, like a plop, like a glop of creme fraiche, which is a sour cream, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. sort of, I think then you can get to a place where it's good. But I would never stop a spice I would never stop like a hot, awesome, kick-ass capsaicin high with a fucking mantle of sour cream. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. That's what drives me the most nuts. I feel that. You know, like it just, yeah. it's, it's so unnecessary. And you're telling me that I want to tamp down the flavors that I'm serving you. I yeah. came up with these flavors yeah. and then I'm going to mute them before you get them. Yeah. Like if you need sour cream afterwards, I get it. Uh-huh. I like capsaicin more than most of my friends. I understand if maybe I made something that was me hot and you need to cool it down. Cool. But don't put it on there for me. If you really have to, like, throw a little dollop in a thing and I'll just be like, I don't need that. Yeah, you're whipping around the track and someone put a cone down. What about you? Man, I can't. (laughs) I actually can't. I don't know if I can answer this question because you went so casual (laughs) and my answer was so fucking serious. I have a good I have a good answer for this. I think you need to answer. Okay. So the original question is what? <laughs> is, is what do you hold true that most people would say is bullshit? Fucking balsamic drizzle. Oh, the drizzle. Fucking the drizzle. banish. Here I'm going to hear it. I'm going to say it right now. 2021. Banish balsamic 
drizzle. Like that thick shit that comes out like uh, I'm sorry, but like here's boba the, pearls. I'm <laughs> saying here's the deal. I have a lot of fa- a favorite chefs. I have a lot of friends. And for some reason, they still want to play that artistic bullshit. They feel like the squeeze bottle of the balsamic glaze is like some sort of like moment that they get to adorn. And here's the mm. deal, you guys. That changes the profile of a dish totally. from savory to sweet. And, and if you don't understand that, I feel like I, I need to punish you in a weird way. It's, it's uh. my, my, thing, my theory on that is when um, in the mid to late 90s, when French and Italian bistro had to be in everything, and they got put on basically like the Nuremberg trials and X'd out of everything. There's yeah. no more bistro, just no. doesn't exist. And balsamic vinaigrette, I think, or the balsamic uh, little splashes. Yeah, the drizzle. The I, that balsamic was, gravy. Let's let's be honest. Yeah, balsamic <laughs> gravy. I feel like <laughs> I feel like they were like they were like the informant that did it to get immunity, and then they just yeah. snuck by. <laughs> And the whole time, like, everything else from that culture, Damn. like, the giant white plates with, like, the perfect plating. Oh, wait, the stacking with yep. the metal rings? All that shit got kicked out, but Balsamic Drizzle was like, Yo, y'all just mm, shut the fuck fine. up. I'm just going to sit here. Nobody's saying anything. There are people who put it on, Listen, like... I had, think of, I had to think about my family, right? The FBI I, was talking to me. I had to think about my family, okay? I, I did re- what I needed to do to survive, and I, now I'm here. And now we got new chefs that are like, yo, you heard about this drizzle? No, and they want to put – here's the worst thing, because you guys know I talk to, like, actual home cooks, right, <laughs> on, a, on a weekly basis. And they're like, oh, I found this great, like, balsamic glaze in the grocery store. And they're like, <laughs> all over the shit. And I'm like, here's the deal. You've just changed your dish. Like, oh. if you had this beautiful Mediterranean flavor where you think, like, there's some olives, you know, there's some really good green olives that you paid money. Like, you paid the Luke's money for those <laughs> olives, right? And yeah. then you've done, like, some really great eggplant. You just them up. You just, just blew that shit up with a sugar <laughs> shot. They call it's it balsamic, a caramel balsamic, macchiato balsamic on your glaze. fucking dish. She called it black glorp. Yep, black glorp. <laughs> it's like, so balsamic glaze is, I think, what most Americans in the Midwest think that like maple syrup is when they buy real maple syrup. Oh. They're like, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, 100% shit, let's is. get this syrup, man. Great. A cool. Yeah. I'm going to buy some of this. I'm going to go home, put them on pancakes. And it spills out super fast. And they're like, Oh, someone watered it down. <laughs> this is that's not actually how yeah, it is. They want the glorp. They want maple glorp. They want the glorp. Someone's just, yeah, there's a subsection glorp. Do you also section think- of the supermarket glorp? the glorb section <laughs> but do you also think that there's a piece of this which is a painty piece which is yeah. because here's my gig with chefs i feel like they don't i feel like they 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 work on this piece they work mm. on an, like a dish and they think oh i'm gonna put this together i'm gonna make this beautiful i'm gonna like this is a, this sounds great and then they go and they they dance all over it uh, like they dance well, all over it with like a squeeze bottle just yeah. To make it like what they think is what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a brainwashing. And and basically they want to make it artistic in their mind. It does nothing. Yeah. Vi- visual is important when it's already sort of available to you. But when you're making something look a certain way and adding flavor, like with food, it's complicated. If you're adding flavors that shouldn't be there because you want the plate to look a certain way. Your garnish shouldn't be complex. your strongest flavor. 
<laughs> End of story. Done. Yeah. Done. If you're like, I could really thwap this with like a black line of glorp. And you just said thwap. Well, thwap and glorp. Never thwap glorp. Never thwap glorp. Never That's the t-shirt I want. Thwap. Never thwap glorp. Can I have a thwap t-shirt? <laughs> <laughs> thwap glorp. Thwap glorp. And then can we just Wait, do like? Can I actually have that t-shirt? Can you make that? I'm, I'm telling you. To me? All right, I'm literally gonna make that, and I'm can gonna you do. Make that? It'll I'm be gonna, like the atomic symbol, but that'll just be the. I just so need a medium. I, I technically didn't answer the question Wait. because I had a yeah, way more yeah, serious answer. answer. I'm just all I'm gonna say is so you said something that most people would actually enjoy is a little sour cream, especially in the Midwest. A little sour cream. Mm-hmm. Most of our audience, yeah, just fucking mm-hmm. thwap some, thwap a glorp. Thwap the glorp. Just thwap the glorp. Thwap in a glorp of, of uh, balsamic Never vinegar. thwap the glorp. I, <laughs> I got to tell you, Steph, I think that a lot of people Dying. are being introduced to glorp thwapping of, uh, <laughs> of balsamic because of you. I think you've actually made the situation worse. No, no. I think some Midwesterners are going to be like, let's thwap some glorp. No, listen. All, there are a number of chefs, luckily, who have stopped. No, I don't know that. <laughs> if we're going to stay on the food train... I just, I'm going to use this as a public service announcement. Let's do it. Uh, uh, water chestnuts are fucking Satan's prolapsed anus. Oh. Wait, are what? Are what? Huh? Satan's prolapsed anus. And Charles and I a do taint, not agree. you will? Yeah, it's no, the, worse. the pretty. Worse. 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 Yeah, water chestnuts should uh, not exist. I, I enjoy some chopped water chestnuts every now and then. Don't tell me it's a texture. Don't say that. What's no. the point of water chestnuts? What are you going to say? Are you going to say a texture? Crunch, little little crunch. It's for the, it's for the in what in what like what do you put There's them in other things like when doing. I have a shit ton of uh, veggies left over from like our imperfect produce box I'll always do just like a veggie stir fry okay and I'll do like rice wine shaoxing garlic ginger and I'll try and keep all the vegetables al dente right and then I'll serve that on some rice with also a little bit of uh, hopefully a little bit of nori and then a little bit of rice wine vinegar in there give that a little bit of tang and then just ruin it with Packing peanuts, but that's my that's that's my crunch because other than that, it's it's a very it's a slightly mushy bite. Even if you try and get a little crunch from the veg, I still like having that kind of raw. What about bamboo shoots? Yeah, I'm indifferent. They taste bamboo way better. Shoots. Yeah, right. Yeah, like 100%. they also give you crunch. They're a little slimier. I don't have a problem with. I spent. I, I mean, part of it is seven years working in in Asian sushi noodle yes. restaurants. Yes. I have more of a problem. Quiet you. Was that Listen. wait? Was that was that ten minutes? Yeah. Oh shit! I thought we that were. That was only ten minutes. I thought we minutes? were way over. No. Right. Really? That was that was ten minutes right there. Listen, I'll eat a water chestnut. I just get real mad about it. it well, and again, I love all natural food. I've never I'll eat any. I've I'll eat anything. I've never thought. You know what that dish was? Dish was some water chestnuts. <laughs> I'm just saying if they're if they're wait, there, cool. Is that because you're a white guy, or do you think like? Mm-hmm. I don't know either. It's I, it's I part of like you know, know I. All right, I'll be real. I Good. think now that I've never once thought about why I like water chestnuts, <laughs> but it's probably because I grew up on the chow mains, like from Cafe off of Diamond Lake sure. Road. Yeah. <clears throat> water chestnuts were always in there. And then, yeah, you know, you had the chow mein noodles over the top. Yeah. Um, uh, there was a place that was called um, the Mai Inn. I hate those chow mein noodles. That I got. But that was, I mean, this was... 88, 89, and that was mm-hmm. the first, like, when we could afford sure. any yeah. sort of delivery oh, yeah. food that wasn't pizza, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was, was the like first American thing that we Chinese. had. Yeah, that was very typical. Yeah. And Cafe yeah. wouldn't. I it, but I didn't like it. Yeah. I didn't. It's still. I didn't know it at the time. To me, it just, it tastes like a little bit of childhood, yeah. I guess. Like, yeah. I don't, my, the flavors that I have in there really don't so have anything to do with you like them for 
a nostalgic reason and not because they're. Any I've good. never thought about it, but that that's might a, be a, that might be part of it. That's a huge piece of this that yeah. I think everybody has to sort of yeah examine. I because like, like what you grew up with. Like that's a thing. I'm Absolutely. I'm legit gonna that's go. I'm gonna go to cafe like next week and grab some and just try and see if that's what it is. Yeah, man. Because that was my introduction to Asian food for probably five straight years. That was the only thing I had had. God, sure, we had. We'd have those. We'd have those cans, you know, like hmm? the. Uh, La Choy. La Choy. Yeah, yeah. With the thing on top yep. and a little bag. Yep. My mother is like, German. I don't like a special know treat. how I got to Asian food. <laughs> yeah. But like, I'm like a serious Jap, like the Japan. Aesthetic, aesthetic, which is like, ugh, is honestly a piece of like the way that I think about food now more than ever. And yeah. I don't know yeah. how I got there. I don't know where and when I got there. Isn't that trace your steps? I have to work on figure that. Out I gotta where work on that. Isn't yeah. that the beauty of what we're doing though? I know it's true. Like it's all an adventure. Should I should write Like the, the first dish I would prepare for my family when I was a kid because I learned to cook at a very very young age because my mom was exceptional at cooking Lebanese food but American food and she listens to the podcast sorry ma she knows we like, love you mom we yeah, love she, you mom she, she we was, love all moms she, she wasn't that great at cooking like American Italian like anything like that so at a very young age I loved watching PBS anyways I was already tuned in watching Sesame Street and shit and I'd see shows about cooking and would be just obsessed so the first dish I'd cook for my family, like as like a composed dish, was fried rice. So I cooked fried rice for my family That's when I was big. like, yeah, when I was like nine. When I was, I think I was nine when I started cooking fried That's rice wild. for my family. So That's the first, sucks, uh, Charles. first cuisine I would cook when I was a, when I was younger or my whole life was fried rice. You know, mm-hmm. doing the uh, scrambled egg and everything else. Mm-hmm. I'd use a seasoning packet. It's not like I was, you know, doing That's it still all insane. scratch, but. Like it went over great, so I think my first love of preparing food for people was Asian food, and I think for a lot of Americans, like their first love of food they enjoy that isn't just like home cooking from their family is at least like uh, the ages that we all are mm-hmm. uh, Italian, Chinese, perhaps Mexican. Those were like the limits of what we had available to us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. When, when we were oh, used. <laughs> think, of, think, of, think of what grocery stores looked like for us in like the oh. late 80s and yeah, early 90s. Nothing. I mean, oh. we may do with what we could. Yeah. And uh, honestly, that may be, again, I'm, I've never, <laughs> never really deep dived into my love of water chestnuts. But it also <laughs> may be you'd walk into an aisle and be like, how many things can I, can I replicate from like what I get from the taste that I'm trying to chase? Yeah. Like when you're first trying to learn how to cook stuff. But, uh, all right, obviously okay. that last one next was the timer, next. so cheers. And uh, Mr. Charles, I believe you're going to take us home with the final yeah. question. Let's do it. Final question? Cheers. It's the final cheers. question. Yeah. <laughs> Wipe the glorp. Can I have a t-shirt, please? <laughs> I'm, I'm literally going to go home. I'm going to make them. Here's the deal. Just tell me, what, make tell me what size you want. I'm going to make no, them for medium. the three of us. Medium. Done. I've got boobs, so I need medium. <laughs> Okay, yeah, this is kind of yeah, this kind of serious. Oh, it's kind of okay. serious. Ooh. With absolutely no middle ground whatsoever. No. Choose wisely. Would you rather be universally loved with no true talents or despised by many with supernatural abilities? Supernatural abilities, no question. 
fuck you. I'm going to soar through the universe and basically so lay waste to all fly? the people. So are you flying? <laughs> I'm flying. You're flying, okay. My then superpower that I one wish is flying. That's I guess it. if you were going to be invisible, then it wouldn't matter. You I don't like, care about invisibility. <laughs> I actually want to show people. I actually want to be there. I don't need to spy. No. Okay. okay, so read it again, just to be Wait, sure. so do you want people to see and then be like, I, I don't like her? Okay, okay. With absolutely no middle ground, would you rather be universally loved or admired with no true talents whatsoever? Like, you're just like an ordinary person, right? Yeah. Everybody loves you, though. Yeah. Like, this is not political. But <laughs> mm. <laughs> okay. Or... <laughs> Or despised by many, not everybody, not universally. Like, it's not like everyone's trying to kill you, but people are just like, I do not like that person with uh, supernatural abilities of some sort. So, in college, I was the president of my sorority, and I was in a sorority. Which sorority? Kappa Alpha Theta, Kappa Alpha Theta, Kappa Alpha Theta. Yeah! Woo! Woo! The first Greek letter sorority or fraternity known among women... It was, it was literally, there were so many fraternities by men. Okay. And then one group of women at DePauw in Indiana said, why can't we have this? That's what's up. And that was Kappa Alpha Theta. Is that where you went? No. Okay. Where did I you, went to where Lawrence did you... University in Appleton, Ooh, Wisconsin. Of course you. That's Teeny, what... tiny, liberal arts, gorgeous. Right. Um, but they kill it on that English, mm. like all the language, all well, that stuff. Well, it's English and it's conservatory. Like, all the arts and all the music and all the beautiful things. There are some amazing musicians. But I, have anyway. an, I have an off-podcast story for you when oh, this is let's done. let's do it. Let's do it. So, the idea of when you're in a sorority, you have to get a lot of people into your... So, this is actually an informing piece, actually, now that I think about it, after a lot of shots of whiskey. So, I believe in quality, not quantity in terms that you don't have to meet someone else's expectations of how many, of a number that you have to hit. I would rather care if I don't have 10 friends, but I have two friends who are amazing and fill all my needs, I would rather have that. I would rather be in a smaller group that had more intense intellectual discussions and knew me and knew ourselves better than I had a hundred thousand followers. Do you understand? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I don't care. In terms of this question, perhaps people that love you now that are close to you would not care for you, right? Like, think in yeah. terms of because that's like the real. Let me tell you dichotomy what dichotomy is. Let it? me tell you about what it is to be in the public eye in this way. Mm-hmm. In that, in from my own perspective, I don't. Yeah. I don't tend to speak for everybody, and I know you guys have many other people on your podcast who have different experiences yeah. than I, so I would never sure. speak but to them. Of course. But I would speak to the fact that uh, I truly believe that it is not the quantity. It is not a quantifiable love of the universe that you cultivate in your life, that it is something that you hone to and you believe in, and that speaks to you on a spiritual level and part of the social media aspect takes that away from you and yet you can hone and pull a piece of that from the general public 
that is, there are people that reach out to me that I feel I truly connect with, I guess is what I'm saying. And sure. that I don't, I don't deny them and I, and, I, and I truly try to be the same person that I am with you guys right here, right now, mm-hmm. that I am with a woman that I ran into at Lund's who had been through cancer mm-hmm. and she had said to me that the only thing that was going through her mind was watching my post and waiting for the moment when she could eat the things that we were eating together. That's amazing. Again. Yeah. And that's a real mm-hmm. thing that happened. Yeah. So to me, those, I, I don't mind when someone says, oh, I don't like what you say, I'm going to follow you. You were never a part of my mm-hmm. world anyway. Absolutely. I don't think you would be as successful as you are if you didn't accept that. Yeah. No. I think that there yeah. is kind of like a, there's a watermark for most don't people you where you need to, you need to accept that mm-hmm. people may not accept your Charles, opinion. do you know what that is? That's humanity. Absolutely. That's humanity. And that's that moment where you decide who you are in all of the things. Mm-hmm. And I don't mind if people don't like me and I don't mind if they unfollow me because I'm not here to be followed. I'm here to be just myself and I'm here to be a place in the universe. That can't have come easy, though. No. No. Were you, did you always feel that way or did you kind of breach this precipice where you decided like, you know what, I need to just be myself because it's more effective. It really is way more effective doing what you do to just be yourself than it is to placate yourself to everybody because you can't please all the people all the time. And last night, all those people were at my show. Mitch <laughs> Thank you, Mitch Hedberg. Yes. Um, <laughs> I sort of feel okay with it. I feel okay mm. with the fact of where I am in the universe and I'm, the thing I asked you guys earlier about how old you are, like I'm turning 50 this year and that is a th- huge moment for me because I think you gain a moment. I think you gain with time and I think you gain with perspective and especially being in the public eye where you put yourself out there. I literally put myself there out there today before I came here and I got in a couple arguments on social with some people and I don't mind putting my feelings out there because sure. I don't mind being real in the universe. I don't mind giving that. And I may pay the price later or I may feel that, you know, not everyone deserves all those things. But I also believe in, I, I, and when it comes down to it, you guys, I know it sounds so cheesy, but like I really believe in humanity. Mm-hmm. And I believe in the connections we make. And that's like literally why I'm sitting here yeah, with you. Absolutely. I literally believe that we have a lot of things that we put out there and, and food is one of those things that I know I'm connected to on a soul level and I don't know why. I really can't tell you why, but yet I know that I know how to connect with people through this and I feel like that's sort of my purpose. Like it's my, I'm supposed to be doing this and I'm supposed to be connecting people and giving them hope and giving them comfort and giving them their own path and maybe just cracking things open for them in a way that that is almost indelible to the criticism. So, like, Absolutely. if someone wants to that's come at me, that's their business. <laughs> exactly. They chose to do that. They did. Yeah. And, and I feel fine for them. For two, and I don't, I don't hate people. And I don't unfollow my Republican friends. Mm-hmm. And I don't disallow. I allow for many different constructions and many different co- conversations. And I feel like... As long as we're all in this together, we're all in it together. And that is the beauty of the, that's the beauty of the soup, mm-hmm. right? And so, I don't know. I mean, I don't think I'm right in all the times, and I don't think I'm famous, and I don't think I'm 
influential, but I think that there are people who listen, and I think that I've affected people, and I know that I have given people some things, and that's all I can hope for. That's all I can hope for, and I have four kids, and they all are amazing humans, and that's how that goes. That's like all, yeah. that's all that, that that's all that you can do in this world. That's all you that's can it, do in though. this world. That's it. Like, is to like <coughs> talk to people and help them get to the place where they need to get to, and show them the beauty, and show them peace, and show them the world. You you subsist in an interesting part of like media because people say that food is a unifier, but it's not necessarily a unifier. What you said about extraction is important. It's like cracking eggs. It's like yes. you got to crack a lot of eggs to make an omelet. Yo, right? you got to feel this. As the saying goes, I don't think just food existing makes us all unified, but understanding where we all come from and, and why we eat what we eat mm-hmm. and, and the crossover between <clears throat> those values makes us uh, feel closer to one another. Well, and, and also understanding that hospitality is at the bottom of everything that we're doing in the restaurant industry. If it like, can be, that would be that, great. That's, mm-hmm. I love the fact that I can serve somebody a plate of food but the food is almost inconsequential. This is that's the best. <laughs> that's the best song ever for this discussion. But like, literally, the the fact that it, it doesn't matter really what's on the plate, no. as long as it's it's made with love and it's served with love. That's the point of everything that we're doing. And like, even beyond love, intention. Intention, yeah. If you, as long as like, I don't need you to feel anything about it. I just need you to be in the present of the moment of when it was made. And. I love your answer even more because I don't, I want to be strong enough to say I agree, but I don't know if I can. Because which, which part? I, well, like going back to the original question. The reason I what was the question? Like, God damn it. Would you rather be universally loved but have oh. no talent or have a specific talent but be disliked? And I feel like, I feel like where I am right now in my life, yeah. I have absolutely no problem offending while defending things that I very much care about. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people in my own community that don't like me and I'm okay with that. Really? The problem is that I, if I really had to be honest about that question, I think I would still rather be universally loved and have no real talent as a kid who grew up really alone. And as a kid, are you an only child? Yeah, I was, we, so I'm like a hybrid only child. So I grew up my kid freshman year. We adopted, Two oh. twins. Okay. And they were six. There was, I was so, a little curious about this question, yeah. not for nefarious reasons, you know, and I think that anyone who answers it the way that you are, like, I, it's not like a, a cornering kind of question. Hmm. Actually, it's, it's. And I'm not embarrassed about my answer. It's, yeah. it, this is a, a, a real thing that I struggle with every day because we adopted my brothers when I was 14 and it just, like, I had touched a boob and I had found my own music. Yeah. And like I kind of had some yeah. independence. You were already cracking the yeah, like you I was were cracking the mold, and you were headed out. I was on my way out, and it made it even harder because I grew up just me and my mom, and then my mom got remarried, and then my brothers showed up, and so it had completely changed my family dynamic. And I, it wasn't that I didn't like my family. I loved my brothers; they were fantastic. But I wasn't. I, I there was a long learning curve that I had to go through. And that entire time, I was still completely lonely. And now my only parent had now focused on two new kids. Yeah. So I was going through all of puberty without anybody even paying attention to me. 
and it was a, it was a weird arc and i understand like i catch myself every now and then at like a grocery store like i'm telling jokes to the cashier like why she has no or he has no interest in my life and if i can get a smile i walk out like feeling like yeah you won i got that person you won. and they got a smile and part of it is i i do just love making people laugh i love making strangers smile that's a thing but it's also i recognize it's a deficit that i still have in my soul okay. that i desperately want people to like me and as i've gotten older and more comfortable in my life and jenny my wife has been so fucking integral in in me getting here is i'm i'm not constantly tap dancing to get people to like me but I will still train wreck an entire day because I casually told somebody that mm -hmm. I do a thing and I feel like I have to yeah. bend over backwards to make sure that I'm there. And, and now it's become, I want to be the person that showed up because most people don't show up or flake on plans. And, but what's, what's the root of that? It's still that I can't let people not like me unless I don't like them. And then fuck them. I'll uh, fucking burn them at the stake. Yeah, because it's different. Can I give you both the gift of 50? Please, please do. The gift of 50 is like the people who are like, fuck 50 and all the rest. I'm like, no, no. 50 is amazing because you know who you are. Yeah. And you know who you want and you know who you are in, who you know who's in your circle mm -hmm. for real. Mm -hmm. And you know who is influential and you know who matters. Sure. And I will tell you that in January, so we're talking like three fucking months, I'm turning 50. And... I couldn't be happier. I got a lot of friends in their 50s. And I couldn't be happier. There's some of the yep. fucking coolest people Listen, that I know, man. I, turning is, 40 was the greatest point in my yeah, life, period. I, the whole anti-aging thing is maybe the other answer to the <laughs> advertising question yeah. I hate. Mm -hmm. But because you can't actually stop aging. But nonetheless, I think that the idea that you become a place, you become a place. You become firmamented. Like you become rooted in a place sure. where you understand where you are and who you are. And I'm not yeah. saying that's immovable. I'm not saying you don't get to change ever. That yeah. does, but you have a base. You have a place where you get mm -hmm. to then take that moment and you get to say, by the way, this doesn't matter, or this does matter. Mm -hmm. But that's different. I still just have a little kid in me. Like, where, mm. where I am right now, I'm, I'm so sad. I've never felt more grounded and more yeah. happy in everything. And I'm so cool with that, but there's still a little kid in me. And it's strangers. It's not, like, I don't give a fuck if somebody on Facebook is like, fuck you, you're an idiot. Like, we're good. But it's strangers. I, like, I will do so much stupid shit just to try and get, like, Dude. somebody to give me a smile. Dude, because Plum, you're, you're an empath. Like, you, yeah. Boom, you want Charles. people to feel good because you want, you want people to make you feel good. Because I know well. that that feels yeah. good. Of course. It's, no, it's, it always goes back for me. It always goes back to Robin Williams. Mm -hmm. Why are so many comedians, like, sad? Yeah. Because we know how it feels, and we don't want anybody else to feel that way. Yeah. That is every, every base of all the humor that I have in my life. It's yeah. that. Yeah. Because no. I laugh, too. It's I, get, I giggle at every joke that I tell. I love every yeah. funny story. Yeah. I laugh so hard I'm crying. It's oh, man, I laugh for harder me. at my jokes <laughs> exactly. than anybody does. <laughs> That's it. My wife thinks I'm a sociopath. But what's, yeah. what's your answer to that? Yeah, what's your answer to that? No, I, I mean, I think I would have answered this in a very different way prior to your answers. But, I mean, realistically, like, I, I'm not far off from I, – I think I'm probably in the middle of the way you guys – just answered because you know being all-knowing you could help a lot of people 
But that's like so hyper. I literally literal. have an Odin tattoo so on both of my arms. Yeah, that so, is my yeah. ultimate dream. Is really ultimate do. knowledge. It's, that's, really it's too hyper literal to be like, well, I don't care if anyone likes me because I'll save the world. You know, <laughs> it's like uh, sitting in your basement playing a role playing game and thinking about in in like comic book terms, being the greatest warrior of all time <laughs> in your DMs. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm 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 I think I land squarely in the middle. I. I do care a little bit what people think about me, but I can give up very quickly on like someone's opinion of me if it if I'm like, well, it's time to abandon ship. Do you care about how do you do, so if someone says something about against you or sure. contrary to your opinion mm-hmm. that challenges you? Kay. Do you then care about deep diving into who they are? Are you speaking in terms of like I guess in social media, you know, mm, oftentimes sure. there's a face and they say blah, 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 yeah. blah, and they may challenge you. I think My I question is, do you follow that thread to find who they are before you mm, challenge them or no, do you I just sort of let that care go? About, I think I used to care a lot more about changing who people are fundamentally, but you oh. can't change pe- who people are fundamentally. So, like, if people argue with me, like, currently about, like, politics, things like that, it's, it's a no-win scenario. So I'd rather like let them just like go do their thing than I would rather change who they are. So that's pretty complex. Yeah, as that's well. like yeah, well, I don't know if you can change another shit. Like, listen, listen Via all the things I have media. to say. Yeah, no, it's it, you can't. I don't you, think you really I can't. I, and I, I, We're very set in our ways. I, I no, I think you can. And, you and here's not, yeah. not via that avenue though. With no, a no, I, I will disagree with you. Just okay. politics out the window. But I will say, so oh, I've, I've been really forthright in the last couple of years about my struggles with depression and anxiety. Yeah. Sure. And I have not gone more than a month without being stopped by somebody randomly at a restaurant or a bar or having a random message request come in from somebody that I'm not friends with on any one of the social media platforms with somebody saying, I've seen you at blah, 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 or I know you through blah, blah, blah. I know we're not friends, but I just want to let you know, like you writing about that actually made me go talk to somebody yeah. and I think that that's a weird line that I don't know how to walk because I'm just as passionate about that as I am about politics or anything else you're, and you're more likely to inflame than you are to I agree you, you put that's, it's you tricky. put things out there and you stand your ground yeah, and I, I just and so want... that's maybe what you're saying when you yeah, like blame. It's not just, like you're baiting people, but I, th- I believe that you stay, you, you know, say what you say. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. And, but, and that's not easy in But I want, I also know what it's, it's a like. It's of energy. Like, how much energy do you 100%. have to dedicate to that? I, 100%. When I was a little kid, like, I was really shy. I, I always wanted Were to be really? an extra... Yeah, it was, it took me a long time to find my voice. I, because my mom was single and she brought me to everything... Yeah. Um, I was around a lot of adults all the time, so I knew how to talk to adults, yeah. but it, it also meant that I didn't know how to talk to other kids. Right. So I had a, I had a tough time trying to figure out how to interact with, with children, like my, my, <laughs> my <age>. peers. <laughs> Your peers. And, uh, you know, my, my dad, on the other hand, wouldn't let me listen to kids' music, so I was, like, going to school with a Walkman at, like, first grade, second grade with, like, Billy Joel and James Taylor, oh, and they're like, yeah. what the fuck are you it's listening cool. to? It's good and bad. But I, I like the idea of... I figured out what my voice was and for whatever reason or for better or for worse, I ended up with a voice like this and I ended up with some confidence that's 100% unearned, but I can walk onto a stage and I can talk to people. 
And the thing, the thing that always stuck with me is if I can say something for somebody else that they couldn't quite say for themselves, but then they can stand behind it and walk with it, that's like the offensive lineman in me. Like, I'm going to protect until you can get out and you can go, and I want to do that. And that's still a thing, but what's, what's, the, what's the actual kernel underneath that? Mm-hmm. It's that I want to make sure that I took care of somebody. You're a protector. And I want, but, but I also like, I want them to know that like, I was there for them. You but know? you're a protector. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You will 100% yeah, that's, But that's not – that, I'm doing that because I, I'm not okay with people not liking me. Like, I, I want to know that somebody that I don't even understand – Yeah, it almost like uh, there was some transition there. Yeah. But like, you know, in my early 20s, I had some friends who nicknamed me Gargoyle because at a bar I'd get real drunk and just stand up. Make sure no one was getting. I just did that naturally as you did it. (laughs) Making sure, like, making sure no one's messing with like the girls with us and stuff. And yeah, I mean, my older brother's disabled. He's Mm -hmm. my best friend, like the best person I know. He's he's my hero, best guy I'll ever know. And that, like, I think that had a lot of uh, uh, application toward my uh, empathetic leanings. Is that like? I, I guess I think in terms of like that guy being okay, he needs to be okay before I'm okay. And so I think about other people being okay before I'm okay. That I know that sounds like. No, no, that's legit. No, no, that's yeah, he's, can yeah, I, that's. Can I chime in? Uh, we're, all right, we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna get a little bit personal here and I'm so glad you're here, Smart. Oh, we weren't already personal. <laughs> well, part of, do you, you remember uh, before you got married, right? I, I swung by and dropped off. I, I do off remember some, one year ago. <laughs> some some beverages. It right? was one year ago. Uh yeah, July twenty seventh yeah. of last year. Yeah. Part of the reason that I wanted to swing by was obviously just to give you yeah, some fucking love. Hotel, I knew that I knew that I wasn't going to get to really talk to you at all because marriage yeah, is like you don't get yeah, to in the room is me and Tony. Right, like, but that but that was the thing cool. is that I I wanted your brother to understand how much you meant to me because I wanted him to get like I'm not just like a random bullshit friend. I'm actually somebody who gives a shit about you and your family and the only reason I wanted to go there was because that would have been the first time that I actually could have talked to Tony. Yeah. And that was why I tried to figure out with JP like what would be cool to bring him as a drink because he couldn't have alcohol. That's right. The whole purpose of that was because I love you and Marnie so much, and obviously JP and I go way back, I had never actually gotten to talk to Tony. And I, that was my only chance of actually being able to, yeah, to do that. Sure. So part of it was that I wanted to show respect to you on the day that you're getting married, but also part of it was like, I was trying to figure out a way to like express to somebody else that's so close to you in your family how much your family like means to me. And there's no way to not say that and not have it sound selfish, but it was, I, I didn't, know. I didn't know how else to say that because no matter, like if I just gave Tony a card, like, Hey, I think it's really cool that you're with your brothers. Like, what do, what do you say? Right. The For only sure. thing that I could come up with was the only brother that I didn't know was him. For sure. So what better way to do that than to, to show up and actually just show tribute to the whole family together. For sure. I think that's why my answer would be that I don't care what anyone thinks about me because I wish people could know how cool Tony is. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I don't care if anyone thinks I'm cool. Tony's fucking way cooler than I'll ever be. <laughs> Can I say that the thing is, if you are centered in yourself, right? If, you're, if you know yourself, and you can never know yourself fully until you get into 
late phases, I think. Sure. I truly think. Or maybe, like, even that's, like, 98%. Like right. It's hard to ever Right. There's, there's definitely people who will never know themselves. Sure. There are definitely people who go to that place where they never know themselves. Yeah. But I do believe that you get to a place where you appreciate yourself, and it's not a selfish thing. I think we've been taught a lot that knowing yourself and thinking about yourself is is sort of selfish. And that's mm-hmm. not what we're talking about. No. But I mean, it's hard for people to understand, I think, that to really love yourself and to accept yourself as who you are and to accept the people around you and the people you've accepted into your space, which then imbue yourself yes. with different characteristics. Because I'm a different person because of the people that my son has brought to me, that because of yeah. the different people that my daughter has brought to me, that sure. because of the difference that the, my different sons, like my gay son who brings other people into my life and that changes the person you are right but then that moment that you then think about the outside world and you think about what the other people are judging you because we are in this space in this 2020 where we put ourselves out there to connect and then we put ourselves out there to be judged and yet what you're really saying is that I don't really want to be judged. I just want to be accepted because that's why I'm putting you out there. I'm putting myself out there. Yeah. And I think that when you take that moment, and, and I think I'm not saying it's because you, don't have, you guys don't have kids, but because when you take yourself into a place where you create another human and then you see that life through their eyes, that's a wholly different aspect that then creates transition of priority it does it mm-hmm. does it, it's a, it's it's a whole di- it's a whole transition of screen quite honestly mm-hmm. that you see the world differently and you can never know that and i and i'm not I, and to be clear people who have not had kids i'm not saying you can't know that i'm just saying it's sure. a different journey absolutely yeah, just but the thing is is that you see things and you see people and how they accept you mm-hmm. differently when you have also then dissected yourself into the universe already. There it is. And you see the things, if you can dissect yourself, not just as a whole, but as parts, I feel like that's something better that we can all relate to, and I wish that we could relate to, because there's a lot of people in my life who I love who are still in a very narrow lane. Yeah in whatever political reasons or whatever reasons they are, but they're in a very narrow lane and they don't want to bridge out. And I wish to God I could give them the ability to fracture because fracturing is not as scary as you think. It's actually really beautiful. Preach. And actually the whole point of existence. Done. Oh my God. I got to pee. I got to pee. I also. All right, wait. Before you pee, (laughs) say say how people can find you on the socials. How can they find you? How do they track you down? You guys have to pee so bad. Where are you at? Um, I don't even know. I don't even know. I'm Stephanie. Do you even know? Go pee and we'll we'll vamp till you get back. (laughs) No, we'll get you. No, I'm going to read it for you. I know it. Come on. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) There couldn't be a better ending <laughs> to a serious, serious six question. Yeah. Uh, At Stephanie March. Yeah. At Stephanie March. Stephanie March is, uh, while she's yourself. not here listening, is one of the best food journalists I've ever read in any paper anywhere. And I'm fucking honored to have her on this podcast. I love the fact that as soon as she heard it was you and me, she was just like, I don't even know the format I'm in. 
Yeah. Uh, that's a, a pretty huge compliment. No, this was fun, too. This was a blast. We got, we got a little serious. We got okay. a little serious, but we had a lot of fun, too. A lot of joking. Uh, we're kind of we're kind of back on some shit right now. We got a lot of good episodes coming up. It makes me very very happy. Uh, to all of you out there listening, please hit us up on all of our socials and let us know other guests that you'd like to hear. Subscribe, uh, subscribe. Obviously, subscribe. give us a rating if you can because it gets our show out to more people. Every single person, if you add one review, it gets us out to more people. So please please do that. Whether it's on uh, on Stitcher or iTunes or Spotify, wherever. Just give us a review. Uh, thank you so much for being here. We love you very much. And here comes, here comes Smarch. <laughs> that's actually, that's quality audio. <laughs> Running all the way across b Hall. Like I've had to pee for like a hundred years. So we hit oh, it with your socials. Uh, where can Did people, you hit it? Yeah, where can people okay. listen to your radio? So my talk 107.1 on the old FM dial is on Saturday mornings from 9 to 11. Hot shit. And here's the deal. Like, it's just really real. Mm-hmm. It's just really real. So we talk about cooking. We talk about food. We talk about chefs, food trends. But we really talk about, like, butter <laughs> and oh, cheese. Butter. Hot butter rum. Hot butter. Butter ham. Butter ham. <laughs> so much melted cheese and all the good things. So can I – when is this launching? Yeah. Uh, next Wednesday. Okay. So I'm going to tell you that we have a can I can Do I pimp it. a thing? Plug it. So here's the deal. This is the thing that I love. It's recipe card swap. Ooh, girl, I'm in. Are you in? I'm in. Okay. Yep. Here's I'm the deal. It. So we have launched a thing. So this is airing when it is. Uh, that I have decided. So we used to do. Hold a it quick, real quick. Time out. Because Charles was trying to tiptoe out of here. He's also running to pee right now. God, there's so much peeing. How also, did we Charles, is, Charles is rocking the red bottoms. I did not notice that. Mm. We're at a svelte two hours. It's fine. Shit. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. We knew it was going to happen. I anyway, know. sorry. Sorry. Back to recipe card swap. So, recipe, so we've done a cookbook swap with Weekly Dish for a number of years where you bring in your old cookbooks yep. and we bring in our other cookbooks and we all just swap them. And this year, of course, we couldn't do it because of the COVID. So we thought there's something to say about a recipe swap, which we've talked about for years. We are launching a pen pal situation. Oh, my God. I love this so much. Saturday. Yes. You need to tune in. In. Saturday, we're launching a, a kitchen pen pal situation. Where Saturday you, what time? Uh, 9 to 11. Kay. We're talking October... What is this? <laughs> 24th? Yeah, it's yeah, that sounds right. Whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because until November 1st, you can sign up for a kitchen pen pal. And it's I'm going to send you the link. Done. We'll post it on our socials. We're going to post it. The link for the sign up. And basically, here's the deal. You just have to sign up to be a kitchen pen pal. Mm-hmm. You have to send a recipe card. And then from a separate person, you're going to get a recipe card. So this is two different people who you are now connected to with your kitchen and with your eating. And it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be a thing where it's exactly who you are, but it could be expanding who you are. Everything about that is let's all, let's all learn together and then share our knowledge. How could you not love that? Uh, Charles and I are members in a very small group called the runny nose gang. And we all make hot sauces together and then trade recipes for said hot sauces. Get out. So we're just let's just let's just expand this into into food everything. I love this. So you uh, guys are in. I love you so much for being here. This is amazing. You and are my fave. Unfortunately I have no idea what I said <laughs> over the last 
two hours. That's the best part. Yeah, that's why you get to listen back. Here's the point. (laughs) It's like, that's actually why I do this. Yeah. Because who cares? Means the world that you're here. Charles, I adore you. I, uh, I'm sorry again that it took us so long to get back to this, but here we are. <laughs> and uh, autumn, autumn season two is going to be yeah. hot Brave. as fuck. <laughs> the season of the Braves. <laughs> All right, y'all. Uh, we'll see you soon. Check us out on all the socials. Uh, libations for everyone, baby. Charles? Cheers. Cheers. That's all.